The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Stills. I believe this is the final show of the year. We're going to be off the next couple days. So we're going to kind of try to pile everything in as we get ready for this weekend's game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Arizona Cardinals. And again, I think it could be a pretty interesting ball game, but we just wanted you guys to know that this is probably going to be Again, our final show of the year. So we're really looking forward to it. And we look forward to having you on here with us here today. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting NFL weekend, to say the least. I really do. I think it's going to be an interesting weekend. I think we're going to find out a lot about a couple teams, especially the Dolphins and Cowboys. Um, I, I, I do. There's still a chance. A pretty good chance the Eagles get the number one overall seed. 49ers most likely will land there. There's a chance even that the Lions could come away with the number one overall seed. Absolutely. So it's going to be an interesting script that's being written these final two games for the NFL. I I do want to say something. I was listening to Jason Kelsey today. and. I was listening to him on WIP. He does, a, I think, a weekly hit for them. And I started coming away thinking about the identity of the Philadelphia Eagles as we're two games out. And I heard him say something that made me realize that the Eagles don't believe in what they're even doing. It's coming from their own mouths. I heard Nick Sirianni and Jalen. I've heard Devontae Smith. I've heard every player. How about this? I'm going to take my opinion away, and then you tell me if you think they believe. I heard Jason Kelsey say, we just have to clean up the mistakes. We have to play better. We have to be better. Does that sound like a guy who knows what the identity of his team is? Well, here, I'm paraphrasing Devontae. Yeah, we're just not, you know, it's, it's good to win, but we're just not clicking. Or hearing BG making too many mistakes, penalties and turnovers. Sirianni said the same thing. This is coming from the mouths of the players and coaches. 
This is not coming from me. You're actually hearing the players not believe in what they're doing. That's not confidence. Okay? I mean, the players are saying it. I listened to that entire Jason Kelsey interview. And not at one second did I come away thinking that they were going to turn this thing around this year to where they were going to make a strong play in the playoffs. I haven't heard one coach, one player, anybody talk with any kind of ray of hope. They don't believe it. And if the players and coaches don't believe it, why should you? Wishful thinking? You know, the only people that are talking with positive vibes are the fans. And some media people. I'm not even giving an opinion right now. I'm stating facts here. I have not heard in the last month one Eagle player or coach say one positive thing. And I was, like I said, it dawned on me. The players are trying to tell us they don't believe in this team this year. It's not that they don't believe in one another. There's just something about the team this year that the players are not buying in like they did a year ago. Even John McMullen today asked that question if the players were having fun. Nobody has fun. And then you listen to the player's response when asked the question in a scrum. And you don't come away thinking, God, these guys really love going to work. Okay? Get this. Gary goes the best 11 and 4 flawed team in NFL history. You know what's crazy, Gary? That's how the players look at it. It's not me. Okay? It's not me. These are those, they're saying this. They're the ones saying it. I came away, and again, by the way, because this is the last show of the year and we're not going to give you our Football Friday, we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about Cards and Eagles here in a second. We're going to go into that and how I see this thing play out. Um, you know, I, I, I look at this and I go, okay, man, just listening to people talk this week, and really last week and then the week previous. And Nick talking about all the flaws that they have. They never found their identity this year. They never did. They never found a rhythm at any time. They're not going to. By the way, stop with that. Maybe this team could play better. Of course it's going to play better. But you couldn't even put rhythm together against the Giants. You're not going to put rhythm together in the last eight quarters of the year. Like I told you before, that runway's over. You don't have any more runway. It's over with. You think you have this running runway, and you keep saying, well, next week we'll play better. Next week we'll play our best ball. We haven't played. You're out of time. That shit's over with. You're out of time. Okay? You're out of time. 
No, no, it's, it's senor. You're the one that doesn't hear it. Some of you in here don't hear the players talking. You're, you're trying to decipher what they're not saying. You're the one that can't hear it. You get this. This guy is pissed off at me. I'm starting to hate Philly sports talk because the players are saying this and not me. He's actually angry at me for pointing out that the Philadelphia Eagle players have not been satisfied at any time this year with this football team and saying that we're flawed and he doesn't get it. Gloom and doom. I have, hey, I'm echoing the players. They're the ones echoing gloom and doom, not me. Name me one Eagle player in the last two months that have said something positive about the direction of the Eagles this year. Name me one. Look at GT. We'll be okay. According to what player? Jalen Hurts is now even talking in code. Like he's Le'Veon Bell with upside down tweets. I mean... He's even talking in some pseudo code. The players are saying this to the reporters. That's not what's. I heard Jason Kelsey talk today. There were no reporters when he was saying we just haven't played well this year for a full 60 minutes. And I don't know. Penalties and turnovers has stopped us really. And we've just never been in sync. That's a that's an answer that really kind of personifies the entire year. Fake news. Of course it is. All the players are not happy. Do you think Devontae was happy after that giant game? Do you? AJ was so pissed off, he took his bat and ball and ran to a sandbox in his house. Two weeks ago, Jalen Hurts is calling people out. The coach, once again, you know, I, I don't get this guy. So what was Sirianni saying? I was too emotional on the sideline. What a fucking cheerleader. Honest to God, man. That guy needs to grow up. He is such a high school football coach. I mean, you're telling me on a Wednesday that you're too emotional on the sidelines. Like, that matters. You need to be level-headed in games. He's admitting to you he's not level-headed in games and has poise and patience in games. He's admitting it to you. Like Tone says, this guy freaking talks too much. He admits his weaknesses days after the game. Man. Yeah, I need to be more calmer. I'm paraphrasing his idiotic comments. I need to be more calmer. I need to, you know, not 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 be as fired up. You know, I I, I need to be like, you know, that a little more. And he's telling me three days after the game. Talk about a guy who doesn't have an awareness of what he's saying or how that lands. 
That's a guy that doesn't know how things land when you make a comment like that. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You know, sometimes when you make a take and you say something or you have a particular opinion that you're going to make on a team or on a player, you need to understand where that may land sometimes. That may land here where you thought it would land over here. For instance, the Colin Kaepernick story, back in the day, Kaepernick was true, really, I, in my opinion, I think Colin Kaepernick was trying to talk about really uh, equal rights, and I think he was really trying to land it. But when he threw the flag in, it landed right on the flag. Not what he meant it to do. That's a prime example of it. This guy's talking about Black pride and everything, and he wanted it to land here with equal rights and pay and all that. Totally got it. But then when he threw the flag in, it landed over here, and half of America thought he was a scumbag. That's not what he meant. It's too bad. Poor messenger. Poor messenger. And that's kind of what you have here. Okay? That's kind of what you have here. And, and so you have a poor messenger. He it, apologizing for his behavior on the sidelines. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. I really, I don't get it. I, I, just, I don't get it. How he can, how, how that guy gets in front of a of a microphone and doesn't think that what he's saying has a poor message to it. He's a poor messenger. He really is, man. Okay? Hey, Steve, I don't need a head coach apologizing three, year, three days after acting like an asshole on the sidelines. Okay? I don't need, I don't need it. There's no place for it. You don't have to apologize. Why would you say you're sorry? What's the point? Who are you apologizing to? Seriously, who are you apologizing to? Why don't you walk into the locker room and apologize to the men in the locker room? You felt you had to apologize to the men in the locker room and then to the media? That's dumb. You owe the media nothing. You absolutely owe them nothing. Owe them nothing. By the way, today, our good friend Tone will be with us at 3.30. Baird Brooks at 4.30. Howard Balzer from All City Network, Phoenix, and Pro Football Hall of Fame voter will join us at 5.30, and we will talk about the Gan Wagon and the Arizona Cardinals. That'll be at 5.30. So we'll get some intel. He covers um, – the Arizona Cardinals there, and we'll get his thoughts on what the Cardinals are doing and Kyler Murray. Are they going to stick with him? Probably have to because of the money. So we'll go there. All right. Cardinals versus Eagles. Hey, by the way, what kind of reception do you think Jonathan Gannon is going to get? On Sunday. What kind of, hey, what kind of, what kind of reception? This guy helped you get to a Super Bowl. He helped you get to a Super Bowl. Are you going to cheer him or boo him? Boo? 
wait a minute, Jonathan Gannon helped you get to a Super Bowl. He had the number two defense in the NFL. Your defense is trash this year. You're going to boo him? You're going to boo one of the best D coordinators in the history of the Eagles, statistically at least. He'll get booed? That bum. Holy shit. One of the best statistical defenses, 70 sacks. Number two in defense. And you're going to boo him? Man, shame on you. I think you're right. I think this guy's going to get booed like a crazy dog when it comes to um, how the Eagle fans see this guy. I really do. I think this guy's going to get chewed up on Sunday. And um, I, I think the organization also wants him to get his ass booed too. So, all right. Look here, man. This is another one of these football games. Cardinals enter the game. They're 26 in points scored. 24th in total yards. You know, they are third in rushing the ball at 4.9. It's been kind of a weakness as of late. Um, and they run the ball for 129 yards a game, which is ninth. That's not awful. Um, I just don't think it's a good football team. I think it's another game where it's a 31-7 game. If the Eagles take care of business, I just don't see it. So, I mean, at the end of the day here, this is going to be more about Philadelphia taking care of business. And to me, I don't want them working on things. I want them simplifying things. Do the things you do great, okay? You don't have to do things out of the unordinary against this football team. Don't make the game a fourth-quarter game. You've made the giant game a fourth-quarter game. Try to give your guys a little bit of a breather by putting a team. You know, the problem even about uh, last year's team was that you couldn't put teams away. Put teams away. Hey, T-Views, one of the reasons that I don't think that they can put teams away, I don't think they stay committed to running the ball because I don't think the owner wants them to be committed to running the ball. Can you imagine that? The Philadelphia Eagle owner stops the running game. I'm convinced of that because there's no other excuse. The analytics department stops the Eagles from running the ball. They stop them from running it. I am not going to sit here any longer and blame Brian Johnson or Nick Sirianni because you know what? When you keep repeating the same mistake for 16 weeks and you're heading into week 17, you're an idiot. Will you see see a change in the playoffs? Man, so you're going to do things that you did throughout the regular season and all of a sudden they're going to magically change into something else And they're going to go from Clark Kent to Superman in the playoffs. You better hope there's an injury on one of the teams. Okay? You better hope there's an injury when it comes to San Francisco, Dallas, and Detroit. I don't really know if you can beat Detroit yet. If I were to rank the four teams in the NFC, I would rank 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, and Eagles. I don't think you're playing better than Detroit. And we're going to find out a lot more about Detroit this Saturday when they play the Dallas Cowboys. If they beat the Cowboys, 
They are the third best team in the NFC. They are. They're the third best team. They will be the third. If they beat the Cowboys on Saturday, and we're going to look at the games, okay? And if they beat them, okay, they're the third best team. And you're even more, I'm even more convinced you're a one and done team. Okay? So, let's go into this topic here. Does Jonathan Gannon have an advantage? And could he become a problem for the Eagle offense come Sunday? Practice against it, prepared against it, knows the personnel, knows what they can't do, knows what they're trying to do. Nothing's changed, according to the legendary Nick Sirianni. They're doing the same shit they did a year ago. So it's going to be pretty commonplace in what they're doing. Does Gannon have an advantage here of knowing what and how to stop the guy? Shit, the Giants stopped him. And they stink. Made it an eight-point game. If the Giants had a decent quarterback, maybe if they even started Tyrod Taylor, that game's closer. And the Giants stink. You're stumbling versus shitty teams. I mean, you guys are absolutely thinking that you're just going to roll the Cardinals when you couldn't roll the Giants. And the Giants already got for sale signs up in New Jersey. You couldn't even put them away. And here's the guy who knows you. Does he have an advantage on how to stop the offense? I think he does. I think he's got insight. Now, does that mean he has the personnel? No. They're terrible. But then again, you're pathetic on defense. You're you're as good as the Cardinals defensively. You understand that. If you changed helmets with the Cardinals defensively, you're the same group. Don't make it sound like just because you're the Eagles, you have this high-powered defense. You're just as good as the... You're just as good as the Giants on defense. You're just as good as the Cardinals on defense. You're one of the worst groups on the planet. So don't make it sound like you're really great over there. And here's the difference, though. Gannon knows how to beat you. Gannon beat the Cowboys. Actually pounded the Cowboys. Actually put a beating on the Cowboys who put a beating on you, okay? I think he's got an advantage. And here's what that advantage would be. Snap count. Probably some audibles. Formations. Um, the fact that you run five plays off of different set variations. He knows what those are. Again, I don't think he has the personnel to stop you. 
But Jalen Hurts has not played well at all this year. Okay? He 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 he's not he he's not played well at all, actually. I mean, I got my quarterback list out far down the list. Then again, Patrick Mahomes hasn't played great. I say this to you. Jonathan Gannon makes that thing a fourth quarter football game. One, because you're not very good on defense. Secondly, you don't have an identity on offense, according to Jason Kelsey. You listen to Jason Kelsey today talk. You would think, oh, what was what was the phrasing that you guys used? Gloom and doom? Go listen to his interview today. He talked gloom and doom. Wasn't me. Wait, oh, hey, gambler. I didn't I didn't I wasn't the one Devontae Smith after the game talking shit on the team. Or I wasn't the one calling out the team like Jalen Hurts. I wasn't the coach acting like an asshole on the sidelines. I wasn't Jason Kelsey saying today we don't have an identity. Turnovers and mistakes have been all year with us. I didn't. That's the players talking. Once again, that's the players talking. Are you really trying to suggest to yourselves that Devontae Smith, after the game, was happy with the way they played? Or that Jalen Hurts didn't call out teammates and coaches. And that your dumbass coach lost his poise on the sideline. He admitted it today. I need to be better on the sidelines. I was too animated or something or some bullshit that he said. Your entire football team has unraveled in the second half of the season into a point where, get this, your own players are telling you they're not going anywhere. You don't have to have a media person make a comment. All you have to do is listen to the players. They're telling you who they are. Just listen to them. Pull up a soundbite from today. Listen to Jalen Hurts today. Listen to Jason Kelsey today. Oh, Don't listen to me. Listen to them. And see if they're happy with what the team has done this year. Listen to them. You can do all that shit to me and say that I'm hate. Well, then if I'm hating, they're hating. And I'm with the players. I agree with them 100%. Completely 100% believe in the players. Sales, I have really enjoyed the show this year. You have really handled the guys who have tried to spin your takes all year. Hopefully they learned their lesson. Looking forward to next year. Bear, thank you. Bear. It's commonplace to have people get upset when you point out deficiencies in something you love. And so what they do is attack the messenger, whether it's politics or religion. It's what they do. So over the years, I used to get upset with it early. Now I don't care. Now I use it. Like, like a guy like LJ, he's wonderful content. He's wonderful content. Because it's the antithesis of what I say. It's perfect when he turns out to be stupid. I mean, it, it's wonderful. I embrace it. I used to not. I used to get upset with it. See, I don't get upset with callers or viewers. I don't. That It takes a lot for me to get upset. 
you you guys talking to me doesn't. But what I do is like Tone says, I make people uncomfortable. And I make people upset because I use certain push button words. Content. Thank you, Twiz. I don't give a shit about I don't I don't get upset like that. Okay? I I don't. But you are sometimes demeaning insult your viewers. I insult some of the viewers because when you can't open your eyes and ears and you're listening to your own players, all I can think is that you're a dumbass and you refuse to hear what they're even saying. Okay. Sills, you're quiet about the Niners. Niners, best team in the NFC. What's not to be quiet about that? Best team in the NFC by far. Okay. Best team. The best team in football as of today are the Ravens. So let me ask you this. If the Dolphins beat the Ravens because there's a letdown, are the Dolphins then the best team in the NFL? I'll tell you what, that'd be a pretty good story, though. You beat the Cowboys, and then you turn around and beat the Ravens in consecutive weeks. Look at how, when I say this to you all the time, the NFL is a week-to-week proposition league. It changes every week. Or as some of you would say, the league flip-flops who the best teams in the week are. You know, that's a really great point. Think about this, Twiz. People a month ago, two months ago, were calling the Eagles the number one team in the league, right? Right? Jalen, okay. Jared, perfect. Absolutely feeds into what I'm saying. Two months ago, were we not saying Jalen Hurts was the MVP? Everyone. And Eagles were the best team in the league. Were they not saying that? Then come the Niners. They beat the doorknobs off you. Brock Purdy's playing out of his ass. And he's the MVP candidate. And the Niners are the best team. Then the Cowboys crush you. That's the number one candidate for MVP. Then the Ravens take care of the Niners. And now the Niners are second to the Ravens and Lamar's the MVP. The league flip-flopped five times in the last five weeks. Am I wrong? Has the media and the league flip-flop five weeks in a row? Yes or no? No? Hey, dude. He's a system quarterback. Well, what's your system? High turnovers mask? Second in the league in turnovers? Dude, Brock Purdy has had a great year. Get this. That guy could have a four-turnover game and still superior year than what Hurts had this year. This guy has thrown the least amount of attempts 
of any quarterback in the top 10 right now, and he's second in passing yards. I don't give a shit what you say. Brock Purdy's had a sensational season. Sensational season. Even with four picks. Eagles have had a bad season, period. But let's remember the schedule this year was more difficult. It was. By the way, if I'm Philly, because you're not going to fix what you have going on right now, you got to hope for injuries on the Cowboys and Niners. And maybe to a point, I'll tell you something. The Philadelphia Eagles have nobody that can count and cover that offensive um, air attack in Detroit. What tight, what linebacker do you have can cover that tight end they have? He'll go for 200 yards on you. You couldn't, I mean, you can't cover Jake Ferguson. That Laporte kid's better. And the receivers they have in Detroit, plus the two backs they have, I think if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Tone. I think that the Lions are third in rushing. Am I, am I wrong? I think, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Bears and someone else. But Detroit's third in rushing. So they're third in rushing. They got a quarterback who's going to throw for 4,500 yards. I mean... The Lions are third rushing the ball in the NFL. And they got an air attack. Okay? They got an air attack. Jalen has no defense shit coaching. But 35 touchdowns. How's he having a bad year? He's second in the league in turnovers. Case closed, Joe. Good night. Second in the league in turnovers. Lions defense is horrible. We're going to find out. Hey, the, the Giants defense is horrible. The Giants defense is horrible, and they made it a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Who do you think is the MVP as of today? It's a great conversation. And I'll deviate a little bit off of where we are here with the Eagles. Let me ask you something about that. Last year, Jalen Hurts' statistics were not very eye-opening when it came to under 4,000 passing yards. I think he had 40, 460 attempts, 22 touchdowns. They, it was not impressive numbers when it came to MVP. However, the one thing he did have was that he had impact. And I happen to agree with many of you. I think the most valuable player is the most valuable person. Let me give you an example of that. Okay. Let me, let me, let me give you. Okay. Being second in the NFL on turnovers is a huge weight to shake off. It overshadows a lot of the things he's doing. He has to wear that until next season. It's a damn shame because in many aspects, I think there's times in the season Jalen Hurts has gotten better. And when you see it in the passing game. So let me ask you this. And, and by the way, you know, even though Hurts' numbers last year 
where nothing really outstanding. His impact was. Now, let's do this. Here's how I look at MVP. When I when how many people watched that Ravens and 49er game? How many people watched that game? I watched that pretty intently. Was there any doubt Lamar Jackson wasn't the best player on the field? All you have to do is open your eyes. I mean, what what, what were the stats? 250-something passing, 45 rushing. But was there any doubt with McCaffrey, um, Debo, with um, Odell Beckham, with uh, Flowers, all those great players that were on the ball field, Was there any doubt when you came away from that game, you went like this, that guy's the best player on the field. Okay, that guy's the best player on the field. I think sometimes we get jaded by these insane numbers that some people put up. And I'm talking about the award of most valuable person. When you watch Jalen Hurts play at his top level, and he's running RPOs, and he's playing like 22. That guy's impact on a football field impacts A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the O-line, defenses, the way you play call defenses, everything. You know, when you just drop him back, he's another guy. He's not really special. But when he's playing Jalen Hurts football, and he's throwing a 20-yard fourth down or whatever that thing was, that's when you watch him and you go, shit, man, hey, I don't care what defense you draw up in the sand. You ain't covering that guy because he's a weapon. Okay? So to me, when I look at a player like Lamar and Jalen, you're going to get a different view. Watch this. You put Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson on one side, and then you put Joe Burrow, Mahomes, and Josh Allen over here. And you know what you're going to get? You're going to get an argument that you can't win on both sides. Because both sides, two conversations can be right. Well, he doesn't have the numbers to carry his football team. Were you blind, though, on Sunday? You saw the best player on the field. There's no denying it. To me, I think it's impact. And and Chip goes, really, who cares about the MVP? I do, because it's the... Uh, symbolic symbol of the best player in the league. I do. I care about it. I care about who you name that as. Yes, I, I care. Because it's a great honor to be called one of the um, men in the history of the league to win the most valuable player award. My uncle won one. Okay? So, I mean, it is important. Okay? It is important. Okay? The biggest impact is Lamar. He has more impact. Lamar Jackson, I don't think there's a debate anymore. I think he's won it. Now, here's this. What if Tug of Viola throws for 500 yards versus that Ravens defense? 
on Sunday. Do you give it to him? Hey, here's another great story. Well, it's between those two. I think I think Purdy, I, I think the 49er guys, as I told Tone yesterday, I think the 49er guys have kind of canceled themselves out. Okay, I do. I think they're going to kind of cancel themselves out, McCaffrey and Purdy. I think Dak's in the conversation, depending on what Dak does this weekend. And they write the ship. You know who's going to have the media on his side. But if Tug of Viola throws for 400 yards and he has a four-touchdown game against the Ravens, there's going to be a strong push for him. You know why? Because he's because of what he's overcome. In my opinion, Tua Tug of Viola is the comeback player of the year, too. You had coaches on the sidelines of his own team saying, I almost feel it's not human to put him back out there. And I feel it's not right. You had players with morality issues on whether he should play on the Dolphins. You had people in the Dolphin organization questioning putting him back on the field after that concussion against the Bills when he was wobbling around. And people all over the league were screaming, get him off the field. Get him off the field before you kill him. Okay? I never said Tua stinks. I said you can't build a football team around a guy who's never healthy. He gambled, he won, and he'll get a $250 million deal. The Dolphins. And you see, here's Mateo not understanding shit because the Dolphins didn't even believe him. Instead of giving him a $51 million deal like they gave Hertz, they only extended him for $18 million. They weren't sure he could stay healthy. Mateo, tell the whole fucking truth. They didn't believe in him. Now he gambled. And now he's going to get $250 million. That's the truth. You can't build your... Hey, as far as I'm concerned, I'll tell you flat out here. Uh, Dallas Goddard, I'm ready to move on from him. Can't miss 25% of your career every year. Every year that guy's hurt. Got something. Every year. Every year. Guy's injury prone. The Ravens didn't just beat the Niners. They manhandled them. It was a thing of beauty. Gary, now, would you be shocked if the Ravens rolled in and played against Miami? And... You saw them kind of struggle against the Miami Dolphins because they came off a high emotional. Hey, hey, by the way, okay, I mean, don't you you have peaks and valleys when you come out of games like that? How many people we went like this? I said, there's not a chance in hell the Dallas Cowboys are gonna beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. No chance after the way they handled the, the Eagles. It was a big emotional game. They go to Orchard Park and lose. And by the way, I said the Ravens would beat the Niners. The Ravens are playing a little better ball because the quarterback is more elusive. Okay? Now you're making excuses if the Ravens... No, I'm not making excuses. No. I'm telling you it's a week-to-week flip-flop league. Dude, 
The league t- tells you the story all year, not me. You hear it from me because you think that one week it's this team, one week it's that. Th- that's how the season's been, has it not? Has it not been that way? And for the record, you know, not that Jalen Hurts has played great because he hasn't. I don't really think there's been a lot of quarterbacks that have had sensational seasons this year. I, I don't. But I'll tell you what, every time Lamar Jackson's on the field, there's he's different. That's a different dude. That's a different dude. Okay? Sills is now twerking for the Lions. The Lions are 11 and 4. What are you looking at? They just won their division. I'm not sure what you're talking about. They're 11 and 4. They're a good football team. They've got a lot of good players on it. I'll tell you this that job that they have done in their front office, look at all the draft choices that they have landed on off over that Matthew Stafford deal. Sue um, Panay Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, almost every single one of their linebackers, and not just first rounders, first through third rounders. They have landed on almost every draft choice, and he's been a star. Even their free agents have made it. Okay? Yes, really a great job in Detroit. Okay? Fantastic. Hey, and who would have thunk it? Jared Goff has done more in Detroit than Matthew Stafford ever did in Detroit. That guy had, like I said before, Megatron. And Jared Goff will now throw for 4,000 yards for the fourth time in six years. That guy's an underrated player, man. Hey, he's more accomplished than Hurts. He's been in the league longer, obviously, but he's more accomplished. This guy's won an NFC championship, taking a team to a Super Bowl, lost 14-3, thrown for 4,000 yards for the last six years, will throw for 35 touchdowns this year. Your guy, may, your guy will never throw for 30 touchdowns. Never in his career. I don't want him to. I want him 25 touchdowns throwing, 15 rushing. But they don't want him in Philly rushing like that anymore for whatever reason. They think you've turned him into a cheap man's version of Josh Allen without the arm. You understand that. He's got the turnovers of Josh Allen, but the difference is Josh Allen will throw for nearly 5,000 yards every year and 37 touchdowns. Your guy will never get there. That's the difference in what they're doing in Philly. Yeah, he's got the Allen turnovers this year but he ain't going to be nowhere near the numbers. What teams, if any, can the Eagles beat in the playoffs? Dude, I th- watch this. Gary, 
I think your offense can beat any football team in the NFC playoffs offensively. Offensively. I think your coaches hurt you. And the game planning, I think it hurts you. Your defense, this is, here, do you want me to tell you who your identity is? Your offense, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Your offense can beat any, shit, your offense can beat anybody in the NFL on any given Sunday. And I say that with conviction. But your defense can lose to any team in the league on any given Sunday. And if you have any kind of turnovers, you'll be upset like you were in Seattle. Or you'll make it a game like you did versus the Giants. That's who you are. That's your identity. You can beat anybody with that offense. And you can lose to anybody with that defense. Is that a wrong comment? Okay. Mask, you can't go by that. Jimmy Garoppolo has been to a Super Bowl. Are you trying to tell me you think Jimmy Garoppolo is better than, than Josh Allen? You'd really take that. You see what he did? He, or, or like, let's see, who else? Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl. So Brad Johnson's better than Josh Allen? That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Or Joe Flacco's a better quarterback than Marino because Marino didn't win a Super Bowl. It's the dumbest conversation on the planet. It's a team sport, my friends. We got our quarterback list out. We're going to do that here in a minute. And I'll tell you my top 10 quarterbacks right now in the NFL, and I'll tell you who they are. Um, I just, like I said, the press conference today with Sirianni was wild. Listening to him apologize for his bullshit on the sidelines and his sideline behavior. I'll say this to you, man. Chip Kelly had... His bedside manner sucked, but this guy's sideline behavior is terrible. Waving on the, on the screaming at the Colts fans, um, screaming at his players, hollering at Devontae Smith. I mean, the guy looked like a dick on the sidelines. He's so unprofessional. Honestly, man, he's got no poise. The quarterback has the most poise of anybody on the offensive unit. If it wasn't for the quarterback, that thing would be a... How about this? Can you imagine Nick Sirianni coaching Carson Wentz? Holy cow. He is so lucky. Can I say this? Jalen Hurts saves Nick Sirianni's job. He saves his job every week. He does. I can't wait for the next guy to get in there. Hopefully you get a guy like Mike Tomlin. Can you imagine Mike Tomlin and Jalen Hurts together? They'd win four Super Bowls. Because you would have somebody with equity and somebody who knows what he's doing and somebody who doesn't apologize for a fucking thing. Okay? 
Mike Tomlin, do you think he apologizes to anything or to anybody? Mike Tomlin walks with conviction. Mike Tomlin is the word conviction. That he's my favorite coach. You know why? That guy worries about management paying you. He's going to pay you compliments with your effort and your results. And he ain't going to come out four days later apologizing for shit. Look at the guy Pickens. He puts George Pickens on blast. Pickens gives him a 200-yard effort. And the Steelers look like they're world beaters again. That's coaching. That's motivating. That's keeping everything calm. That's being the leader in your locker room. That's being the leader of men. When they look at Mike Tom, when you look at Mike Tomlin, and then you look over at your JV coach, who gives you and who puts off more conviction on who you think could win you a 60-minute football game? You tell me. When you look at Mike Tomlin, what do you see? When you look at Nick, what do you see? Plain and simple. I'll tell you something else. When I look at Sean McVay, Sean McVay in a 60-minute game versus Sirianni in a 60-minute game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guys won a Super Bowl and two NFC titles. He's still the youngest coach in the league. Okay. Mike Tomlin has backing of ownership to operate his team. Well, that's how it's supposed to be. The coach is supposed to have the backing from the owner, not the owner giving the backing to the GM. It's supposed to be the head coach that gets the backing. Okay. Not the GM. And there you have your problem. You undermine strength in the locker room. I have really, I have really soured on the way Jeffrey Lurie doesn't allow the coaches to have some authority over the players. Okay? Sirianni versus McVay already happened. Mm. Congratulations on your meaningless regular season win. Meaningless. Especially when we're talking about NFC titles and Super Bowls. See how some people look at it? You beat them in a race. A guy, a guy like that takes solace in beating the Chiefs instead of beating the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Hey, we beat him. Yeah, too bad he didn't beat him when it counted. I want to beat people when it counts. Not when it's convenient for your shit takes. I think this Cardinal team they have nothing to offer. They have nothing to offer. Let me see. Hey. Let me let me let me see some of the scores you think this game will be. 
I think it's 31-7. Actually, should be more like a 31-3 game. What do I think it'll be? Oh, that's a different story. What do you think this game will be on Sunday? Blowout? I happen to think the Cardinals with Kyler Murray are better than the Giants. 34 30, 31 21. 31 17. Way closer than it should. 27 20. Twenty-seven, twenty-one, thirty, twenty. 30, 20, <laughs> uh, hey, 20 to 19. Okay. I think you guys are right. I think you guys are right. I think this thing's close. <clears throat> A.J. Brown has bad energy. I noticed that long ago. Great talent, bad energy. He's a shitty... They named that guy captain because they had to. You see, A.J. Brown never earned the captain of that team. They sewed that on him to appease him because that's how you sometimes have to treat insecure people, make them feel that way, like LeBron or KD. I told you the stories. You, you, uh, Dwayne Wade sewed the captain C on LeBron in Miami because LeBron didn't have very much confidence rolling in there. KD was always made to feel like the star of the team when everyone knew it was Steph Curry's team. That's what leaders do. They empower the ones that are the weakest-minded guys around them into feeling that they're the strength of the team when actually – the guy behind the scenes is the strength of the team, like Magic Johnson. The captain was really Magic, not Kareem. Okay? It was Magic Johnson. But you had to make Kareem feel that way. Because Kareem was an insecure guy. Remember, Kareem hadn't done shit in Los Angeles. And he needed Oscar in Milwaukee. He had that, he was never a one go-to guy to win a championship. Abdul Jabbar, who's considered you can make an argument, he's the GOAT, was never the go-to guy. Was never. Had to have someone get him the ball. Now, again, I think Kareem shot is arguably the greatest shot in the history of sports, the sky hook. But he had to have someone. Unlike Olajuwon, Olajuwon carried the Rockets. Akeem was everything. Yeah, it's about five hours old, but I saw that Russell Wilson has been benched. It's a way for Sean Payton to make an excuse now of not making the playoffs and then moving off of Russell Wilson. Who would have thunk it? Howie Roseman had a contract on the table for Russell Wilson 
And Jalen Hurts could maybe have never have been if Russell Wilson had accepted it instead of vetoing that deal. That's how much confidence your GM had in Jalen Hurts. Okay? He had so much confidence. There was a contract on the table for Russell Wilson for $250 million to be the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. And the only reason he's not is because Russell Wilson vetoed it and voided the contract. How's that for you? Yeah. So I know, hey, you'll be upset with that too. Okay? You'll be upset with that too. Oh, hey, how about the hey? How about this? Sometimes the best deals you make are the ones you don't. Thank God for no trade clause. Hey, right on, dude. Thank God. Hey, remember what um, Tone? I know you know the story too. Um, what's his name? Uh, Jerry West was a consultant with Bob Myers at Golden State. And there was a conversation like, what, 10 years ago, they wanted to trade Steph Curry. And Jerry West goes, eh, you know, you might not want to do that. And Bob Myers, they stopped that deal from going. I forget where they were going to trade him. And Jerry West goes, eh, you might not want to be in that room with that. I think this guy's got something special. He's a special ball player. Eh, he's kind of small. He goes, eh, you know, you might want to keep this guy. Jerry West stopped the trade. Of Steph Curry. Instead, that dynasty lived to live on. Or became a dynasty. Best dynasty since the Bulls dynasty, actually. Sometimes the best deals you make are the ones you don't make, right? Uh, you know where I got that from? I got that from Pat Riley, actually. So, Yeah. So what GM's good ones always have a backup plan? Why isn't that an, a knock on Howie? Um, knock on Howie for what? Howie had three plans. He had two first-rounders that year, and he wanted to see Hertz play. Howie was hedging his bets all around. Nobody said he didn't have a good plan. But his plan... Howie didn't make that deal. Howie had already made it. It was Russell Wilson who voided it. Howie wanted him. It wasn't a stroke of genius by Howie Roseman that Howie Roseman didn't get Wilson. Wilson had a no trade like Tone said and saved Howie from making a poor decision. Are you under the, the impression that Howie, Howie had a deal for him? You're making it sound like it was Howie's decision. It was Wilson's decision. It was Wilson. So when when will AJ force his way out of the Eagles? When they start losing more. Um, AJ Brown will not be on the Eagles at the end of next year. He'll start that whole train. You got rid of a guy in T.O. who's a Hall of Fame player because of his antics. It took, a, what was he there, a year and a half before you guys got sick of him? <laughs> That's what will happen here, too. You start losing, that guy will be here a year and a half. 
not going to tolerate that. I got Devontae. I'll go get another one of these wideouts. I will. I'll go get, hey, let me call the Raiders and see what's going on with Devontae Adams. I'll take that on. I don't hear that guy giving anybody shit. He just needs a quarterback. Dude, these wideouts today, there's so many good ones, and they're all high-priced. I'll just move the money to another guy. I don't really like A.J. Brown on my roster. The only reason I want him is because of, like, what people say. 1,500 yards, 100 catches, you got it. And I'll do what Angelo said the other day. I'll tolerate it. I'll tolerate everything else until that runs out. And when that runs out, he's out. First guy on the Greyhound. He'll be the first guy on the, on the Greyhound. Okay? That to me, if A.J. Lee does Goddard stay, why would you want Goddard when you can't count on him to stay healthy? You know what I would do with Goddard, Drew? I'd get another tight end behind him. Get somebody that you can count on that could be back there behind him, and you can live with Goddard. But right now, you have no depth really at the tight end position. And if you at least get another guy behind him in the draft, draft a guy. Draft a really good player. Look at that guy up in Detroit, dude. That Laporta guy is unbelievable. I mean, 700 plus yards, plus 70 catches, seven touchdowns. First tight end, and I can't think when has had those numbers as a rookie. That guy's a really good football player, man. What college did he go to? Laporta? I can't remember what college he went to. He's a really good ball player, man. Oh, that's right. I don't know what's going on in the water up in Iowa, but they're they're putting out guys from that program at the tight end position, man. That guy is good. He's a good football player. Whew. He can play, man. And by the way, if I'm going to load up on a position and if I'm the Eagles and I don't want to load up on running back, I'm going to load up at the tight end position. I don't think you can have enough tight ends. The more tight ends you have, the more mismatches you have because that's a number one mismatched position because of the lack of linebackers in the NFL today. You know, I don't think that's just an eagle thing. You look around the league, I don't really see a great linebacking core. Isn't it funny? Only the good teams have good linebacking cores. Baltimore, 49ers, the, the Lions. How come every one of those teams have good linebacking cores and the Eagles don't? The Eagles got trash cans playing linebacker. It just makes no sense. It really doesn't. All right. My top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. We're going to look at that. Also, some I didn't get to this yesterday. Job openings that I think, you know, I, I heard Rob and Tone talking the other day. I think they said five or six. I think there's a little more that potentially could be open. I want to look at that. Week 17 of the National Football League. Also, more on cards and eagles. Do me a favor, guys. Don't forget. Um, teams are having a difficult time evaluating a linebacker position in the new NFL. That's right, because you know why? The creation of the tight end position is now becoming uh, incredible to defend because linebackers have to be more like Derek Brooks linebackers. Cover two guys. They're, they're more hybrid safeties. Okay? 
big giant dudes coming out of college and putting a 43 linebacker or 34 linebacker in a defense is not conducive to today's NFL. You've got to have a linebacker like Derek Brooks, Ryan Shazier, guys that can cover and have great speed. You know what separated and what made Ray Lewis a sensational player? Tony, you know what made you know what? You know what? He was 6'3, he was 255, and he ran four threes, four fours, four four fives. That's what made him unbelievable, is that he could cover tight ends and he had immense speed. Ray Lewis is probably the greatest middle linebacker that's ever lived when it comes to physical presence because of the speed he had. Okay. I mean, four, four, five, 250, six, three, sideline to sideline, not guys out. There's a reason he was Super Bowl MVP. Okay. Let's not forget something. He's a three time defensive player of the year and he's a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, how do you become the Super Bowl MVP and you don't really touch the football? I mean, he's incredible. I still think Ed Reed's the greatest hurricane that's ever lived, but Ray's second. Those two guys played on the same hurricane team, believe it or not. Unbelievable. Great time of the month when it comes to our friends at Hooters for December, all the holidays that we have here. You got Christmas day and christmas eve and you have new year's day new year's eve some really great holiday items like the bonus bucks five bucks for you to give to your loved ones during this holiday time don't forget the calendars are out as well the 2024 we have like like nine of the girls that are featured inside the 2024 calendars there's a hundred bucks and coupons that are also in the calendar if you don't want to go into the stores do me a favor, go to Hooters2Go.com. Look, Wing Wednesdays, one of our greatest promotions that we have had for 40 years. 1983, all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. What a great place to go. NortheastTutors.com. That's NortheastTutors.com. When you roll in, do me a favor, tell them Big Sill sent you. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Jerry Jones pay Dak Prescott? What will they pay him? Here are the guys that are going to get paid this coming offseason. Are the Buccaneers going to pay? How much would you pay Baker Mayfield to stay in Tampa? 35? He'll have some suitors. He's had a pretty good year. He's had a pretty good year. Maybe 45? Hey, he's had a pretty good year, man. Pretty good football season. Dak Prescott will get 55 million bucks. How much are you going to pay Tua? You got to worry about the guy having scrambled eggs for brains. I'm going to hold that against him in negotiations, too. I'm going to totally hold that against him. Oh, by the way, Tone will join us at the bottom of the hour. Barrett Brooks will join us um, in the next hour at 430. And then we'll talk to our friend Howard Balzer from All City Network. Their Phoenix location, he covers the Arizona Cardinals, so we'll talk to him. Pro Football Hall of Fame voter, too, by the way. That'll be at 5.30. Um, I would have to say that uh, Tua's going to make – he's going to get $55 million. Wow. Tua's going to make a shitload of dough, especially if he can run through the tape. You know, he still has an outside shot at winning the Most Valuable Player Award. Think about that. Still has a shot. Okay? Um, 
I got to tell you, Clip, I happen to agree with you about T.O. Donovan McNabb was the worst leader in the history of pro football. McNabb couldn't handle anybody's ego. He took a shit on Deshaun Jackson, too, at the Pro Bowl. I know many people who were standing there that heard the comment. Even Deshaun Jackson commented on it a couple months ago. He was terrible a teammate. He, he was a poor teammate, Donovan. It wasn't just Terrell Owens. And by the way, look at the quarterbacks that Terrell Owens has had in his career. And everybody defends those idiots. I mean, like Jeff Garcia is a turd. Tim Rattay is a turd. Tony Romo is a turd. All those quarterbacks, you make them guys sound like they're Tom Brady he was shitting on. You think T.O.'s shitting on Tom Brady? He's not shitting on Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady's got the equity. Jeff Garcia has none. Okay? And, and, and for the record, at least when Terrell Owens was bitching about something, it was something that mattered about getting the ball to him. Dude, is he a couple of t- Hey, you, most of you guys would not have liked to have played with Michael Irvin because Michael Irvin had a lot of the same attitude that Terrell Owens did. That's why, to me, a guy like Owens, I'll take him all night because I know what he can do. That's a guy. And, and don't ever put A.J. Brown in that guy's league. He may have some pretty – the NFL is different today. You imagine Terrell Owens in today's NFL where you couldn't touch him in defenseless receivers? He'd go for 3,000 yards. Imagine trying to bring Terrell Owens down in today's NFL. What do you think Terrell Owens would do in today's NFL? 2,500 yards? That guy's like a cyborg. I, I, would, I could make the argument he's the greatest, second greatest wideout to Jerry Rice. I think the three greatest wideouts in the history of the game are Irvin, Owens, um, Rice, and you could make an argument for, for Randy, but the problem with Randy is if the play didn't come his way, he took the play off. Okay? That Olamade guy, I watched that play, him blocking downfield for um, Devontae Smith. I would never put Quez Watkins on the football field ever again. That was so – it was one of the highlight plays of the year. Did you see him put that giant guy on his back? Got no love. Nobody pointed it out. And he put a guy on his back. You got to go to Twitter and watch this thing. This kid, how many yards do you think he drove him? 20? He drove that guy 20 yards into the end zone and put him on his back. I – Watched that thing 10 times, and I said, that's a freaking unbelievably awesome play. That's a play that makes me want to give that guy a three-year contract. Right? It's totally like at least 20 to 25 yards he drove him. And then put him on his – hey, Tone, put him on his ass? I thought he put him on his back. I'd rather be put on my ass than my back. Because you know what? If you're put on your back, you know what that means? The first thing to hit your head. <laughs> I mean, dude, it was a thing of beauty. It was better than Devontae's touchdown catch. Watching a player with nothing involved in catching the play 
but helping his teammate get into the end zone, scot-free, and putting a player on his back, that's how you win Super Bowls. That made that gave me that gave me optimism. Because you got guys like that on the football field that are playing like that. That's that's marvelous, man. Shit, dude. You, you know what? You coaches are telling, I'm telling you, the coaches in the team meeting or when they were watching the game, they must have took the circle out. There's like a circle of flashlight that you that the coach gets to like single out things and plays. They must have ran that thing back at least 10 times and singling him out. Watch this. You want to see what effort is? That's effort. That's unheralded effort. That's the stuff you go overboard with because you don't have to coach it. That's in here. That's not a coaching. That's nothing coaching. That's desire, willingness to win, sacrifice. That's all the things as a coach you're praying your players all absorb, and you're watching that. Dude, I seriously, I watched that thing 10 times last night. I was like, that was awesome. Watching that kid put that guy on his back for Devontae was absolutely special. That's exactly what you're looking at. Man, there is hope. Okay? There's total hope on that. Yeah, Randy Moss is number two. And unfortunately, never landed on a Super Bowl, did he? Irvin's got three. I get it. T.O. didn't land on one. I'll take T.O. Okay. Randy's special. Good luck to you. Yeah. Tremendous. All right. I want to get to my top 10 NFL quarterbacks. And pretty incredible how this list is folded in as we go into the last two weeks of the season. Okay. It's, it's incredible where this list is and where these players have all played at one time or another. You can make the argument that every one of these guys, except for a few were number one at one time during the season. Let me see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the 10 at one time this year were the number one quarterback heading into a respected weekend. That's how much the league, to use some of you words, have flip-flopped on how sometimes one guy's held the mantle for a bit, then another guy held the mantle for a bit, then another guy held the mantle for a bit. It's It's been that way pretty much the entire season for the teams too. Okay. At number 10, <clears throat> I got Baker Mayfield. He, he's he got 3,600 passing yards right now. There's a chance this guy could throw for 4,000 yards. Is that right? Baker Mayfield 
could throw for 4,000 yards. And let me get this right. Am I right when I say this? If the Bucs make the playoffs, did he put the Browns and the Bucs in the playoffs? Am I right when I say that? That Baker Mayfield would have put the Bucs, the Bucs and the Browns in the playoffs? I don't know. There's something to this kid. Good for him. This is probably too low. I got Patrick Mahomes at nine. There's just been something about Patrick Mahomes this year that I go like this. Eric Bieniemy, Right? Eric Bieniemy. I don't know. What's off? Maybe just the loss of Bieniemy and Hill has finally caught him. And get this, the league caught up with them too, like they caught up with the Philadelphia Eagle offense. That happens. They have to adjust in the offseason. Get some more better players. I got Jalen Hurts at eight. Second in the NFL in turnovers. All the good he does gets taken away by all the mistakes he's made. This guy's second in the league in the most mistakes made by a quarterback this year. What, do you want to put him at one? I'll tell you, a guy who's rapidly turning himself and that team back around again, and it's unbelievable. But for a guy that's not played, especially early on, and he got hurt early, Matthew Stafford has played some great football, and I don't think that 49er Rams game at the end of the year is a layup for the 49ers. I don't think that's a layup, okay? I do not think that's a layup for the Niners. Stafford's playing some pretty damn good football right now. As a matter of fact, that Rams game, that's going to be an interesting ball game. They're playing really good ball. Do they have enough to be consistent? I don't think so. But we shall see. I got Jared Goff at six. Um, In my opinion, Jared Goff has had another great year. 35 touchdowns, 4,500 passing yards. His team's 11-4. and Um, It's Detroit. You want to hear something psycho? Detroit. Do you know how many playoff wins they've had in the last 70 years at home? Two. 70 years. Two. Put that in your cap. Detroit doesn't have success. You got more wins in the last year of your playoffs than the Lions have had, okay, in the last 70 years. Number five, I got Brock Purdy. Spectacular season. Here's a guy that's thrown the least amount of attempts, second in passing yards. Uh, Tops in almost every single quarterback statistic there is in the league. His team's the number one team in the NFC right now. What more do you want from a quarterback to be the number one team in the NFC, have home field advantage, and put up some of the best numbers in franchise history with a franchise having Steve Young and Joe Montana on it and John Brody? I mean... You're talking about a guy 
in the conversation of putting numbers up next to some of the greatest quarterbacks that have ever played the game. Okay. Incredible. He'll put, he could arguably, I, I don't know if he'll have the all time single season passing yardage number, but can you imagine him having more passing yards in a season? Now there's one more game than what Montana did. And I'm look, some of you will over, um, overcook it. No one's telling you they're better than he's better than Steve Young or, or Purdy. He's just off to a better start than those two. Purdy's off to a better start in his career than Montana was. And Young. Statistically. Now, Joe, of course, <clears throat> I could make the argument he's the greatest quarterback to ever play. Okay. Joe Montana's not losing to Nick Foles in a Super Bowl. He's beating John Elway. And Dan Marino, that's who he beats. He doesn't beat or get beat by Nick Foles. Okay? And to make the point even more, Montana never threw a pick in a Super Bowl in four of them. And he's 4-0. Like Jordan, 6-0. 135 quarterback rating. Nobody. Nobody. I'll play Joe Montana in Super Bowls. Okay. And, and, and for the record, the first Super Bowl, there wasn't no Jerry Rice on the team or Roger Craig. You can't name a guy on the team. I got Dak at number four. I got Josh Allen, number three, hottest quarterback in the NFL right now. I got two at number two. And I got Lamar Jackson at number one. So it's Lamar Jackson, Tua, Allen, Dak, Purdy at five, Golf six, Matthew Stafford seven, Hurts eight, Mahomes nine. Unbelievable. I never thought I would ever put a quarterback list together and Baker Mayfield would be on it for my top 10 quarterbacks. Okay? I never in a million years ever thought that I would say that. All right. Let's bring Tone in here for the segment. Don't forget Barrett Brooks at 4.30 and Howard Balzer from All City Network at 5.30, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter. We'll talk Cardinals with him. All right, my listener, Chris. Yeah, I'm looking over it right now. So you got uh, LJ1, uh, Tua2, Allen3, Dak4, Purdy5, Goff6, Stafford7, Hurts8, Mahomes9, Mayfield10. Yeah. That's actually not a bad list now that I'm looking at it straight on. You know, you know, hearing you say it, and then now, you know, because I, when you do your list, I try to write them down to make sure I'm keeping track. And that's actually not a bad list. At I all. think Jalen Hurts has played better than Patrick Mahomes this year. I wouldn't argue against that. It's, I mean, he, he's had bigger moments, right? He's yeah. had, he's had, he's had some moments that kind of, I think he's, I think he's beaten better teams. That that part too, I, and and I think that's what's keeping Jalen Hurts on his list, the fact that he's beaten, you know, guys like Josh Allen, he's beaten Tua, he's beaten Baker Mayfield, he's actually beaten, I believe, one, two, three, four, five guys out of this list this year. Yeah, he's beaten Tua, he's beaten Allen, he's beaten uh, Stafford. He's beating Mahomes and he's beating Baker Mayfield. So he's beating five out of the five, uh, five out of ten guys on his list. Not bad, even though not bad when you think about 
the fact that his year isn't going as, as he had thought it would go from a turnover perspective, right? That's because- right. That the bring and, and the point you brought up, Tone, if he had half the turnovers, absolutely. If Jalen Hurts had had the turnovers there in the top three, he'll be in the MVP conversation if he yeah, had less. He'll be in the top five. Exactly. So um, I think this answer answer me this, right? I feel like every quarterback has that signature season where they just have way more turnovers than they normally have. Yep. I feel like every quarterback goes – I mean, if you're, in, if you're in the league for about 15 years as a quarterback, you're going to have at least two of those seasons where you just top three or lead the league in turnovers. I feel like I feel like that's a part of the rite of passage but you know, to becoming a franchise quarterback. you got to go through those kind of seasons. Am I, am I off on that? Here, well, think about and, – and, and no, and I think that's how you evaluate a lot of athletes. You do this. Take the greatest year a player's ever had and the worst year a player's ever had and then evaluate the rest of it. Mm. And you look at it inside there. Now, there's just not enough of a sample size for Jalen, okay, yet for you to do that. Because right now, this is what you have. Watch this when it comes to Hertz's career. You're here. You're here. Then you're here. Then you're here. You got you got a you got a swing, and they're too dramatic. One year, nine turnovers. Next year, 18 turnovers with two to play. That's a gigantic swing, Tone. I mean, yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it, it is. You know, I try to rely on the trend of um, in year number one. I want to make sure I got this. I want to make sure I got this stat right. I think he had nine. But, I think he had yeah, 22 uh, touchdowns and nine, six. I think it was six. Yeah. So he had in, in his first year as a starter, uh, he had he had six interceptions. So I want to I, w- I want to go about total total turnovers, um, because he's a dual threat guy and he he runs around a lot. That's so right. I think That's so I think point. if we're gonna if we're gonna count the if we're yep. gonna count the rushing TDs, got to count the fumbles too, right? Yep. So, um, his first year starting, um, nine interceptions, and he had one fumble loss, so ten turnovers in twenty twenty one. In twenty twenty two, he had six interceptions, and he had no fumbles lost, so he only wow. had six turnovers in 2022. He didn't have any fumbles last year. He fumbled, but he didn't lose them. Wow! So this, so 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 that oh. was the difference. And think and, about this: so he had 465 passing attempts, and how many rushing attempts? I think it was like 167. Yeah. So he so in 2022 he had 460 pass attempts, and he had 165 rush attempts. So that's essentially over 600 um, plays that went through his hands. And he's he only turned the ball over a grand six total times. six times. That's, with, with, there's hand, your hit, there's the difference, Tone. And that's the difference. Handling the ball over six hundred times and you have six turnovers only. That's 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 pretty hard to do. How many um, how many times has he touched the ball so so far this year? That's a great question. So he has four hundred and ninety nine pass attempts plus one hundred and forty seven rush attempts. That's six so far through fifteen games played. He's 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 handled the ball six hundred and forty six times, and he's turned the ball over eighteen times. Eighteen. There's, now there here's is. the thing. Now here's the thing. Right. This that's, is where things get funny. There it is. Yeah, because you know they have it. They have him at seventeen turnovers, but I feel like it's eighteen. I feel like his number's wrong. But regardless, though, seventeen, eighteen, never splitting hairs. Regardless, he's turned the ball over way more this year. Than he has in previous years combined. He turned up, he's turned the ball over more times in this year than 2021 and 2022 combined. Yep. 
So doing the math on that, I mean, that's the difference in his game this year because the completion percentage is pretty on par for last year. Um, he's throwing the ball more. He, he's already thrown the ball more through 15 games this year, 499 compared to last year to 460. And he's, he's got two games lost? to play. This year he has four fumbles lost and six total fumbles. So, again, he's fumbled every year, even from his rookie year, right? And he only played like four games or started four games. But nonetheless, let's just go for the years he started. From 2021 to 2023, he's fumbled the ball four times, five times, and six times respectively between um, between three years. So fumbling is not out of the question for him, but he's lost way more than he has in his career. That's and that's the difference. What they're asking him to do in the passing game. He's handling the ball more, more attempts. Ball more. Yeah, and um, as of right now, I think he's going to supersede his rush attempts, um, easily because he has two games left. And remember, Does he, he over two hundred. You think? No, 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 no. Because right now he's at one forty-seven. There's two games left. I think he goes over one sixty. Okay. I think he, well, last I, year he was one sixty-seven, and he missed three games, I think, or two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah last year he last year he was one sixty-five. Yeah, last year he ran one sixty-five, and he missed two games. Two so, games? yeah, so he was averaging about nine or ten attempts a game. Okay. So. Basically, about 185, 190. Yeah, last exactly. Year. Yeah, yeah. If he would, if he would have stayed healthy for those two games. So, but I think this <laughs> year he's going right right now at one forty seven. I think he might end the season around one seventy, one sixty five, something like that. I, I think that's reasonable. But nonetheless, though, that's the main difference in his year this year: the fact that he's turned the ball over at a um at, at a rate that we couldn't foresee, and that's why his numbers look the way they look. Because if you look at his numbers outside of the turnovers, he's a pretty good quarterback. Twenty passing touchdowns. Um, 15 rushing TDs, so he got 35, uh, 35 scores, thir- over 3,600 passing yards right now. He has two games left, 576 rushing yards. He's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good he's he's a good quarterback, but he has to protect the ball better. And I think, uh, like I said before, every quarterback throughout their career goes through this lull period or has that season or two where they just are struggling protecting the ball, not making excuses. But I just think that he's going through that phase at this point in his career. Every every quarterback has had every quarterback has one of those years where the numbers are high. You look at Mahomes. Mahomes is having a high year in turnovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's actually having his this year because Mahomes is yeah not as efficient as he's normally been. Yeah. So let me throw this at you here before we get on to some of the Eagle topics here. Right. Define MVP in your eyes. Mm. For me, um, I let, like- me, let me let me put something in context for you. Yeah, I heard somebody talking about not Lamar not having the numbers, and you know Jalen's. You know they're always going to look at the passing side, and I'm and they were underwhelming. But if you put everything together, you kind of see it. And I I looked at Jalen last year, and I'm like, yeah, but did you see him on the field? There were many times when he was the best player on the field, and to me, Tone, when I watched that game Sunday night. With Lamar, there were Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, um, Brock Purdy, um, Odell Beckham, all these superstar players that were on the field. Nick Boza. I'm I'm going like this. There's not a question that Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field, and it wasn't close. 252 passing, right? 45 rushing. If you walked away from that game, you would go, okay. Really nice ball game he played. But if you watched it, you were like, 
they couldn't defend him. And to me, I think it's got to have something to do with the impacting of the game, the way you look at him and the way you see him. Your eyes can't, you can't deny what you're watching versus looking down on a piece of paper and going 4,500 passing yards, 35 touchdowns. Because when you watch that versus that, you you go like this. That's not what I saw. And no, it's I, really, it's a really, <clears throat> and I don't think both arguments are kind of wrong. I mean, I, you can make an argument for a guy having an exceptional year like Mahomes did a year ago. Mm-hmm. You can make that argument because remember, the MVP is a seasonal award. Nothing right. to do with the postseason. Right, right. You know, for me, you know, I can't, I, I can never decide my MVP just off numbers alone because in that case, Kirk Cousins would have two or three MVPs, mm-hmm. right? So, I can't I can't just look at that look at that award and say okay if you pass these benchmarks statistically okay you're a shooting for the award I don't believe in that I believe you have to have a healthy dose or a healthy conversation about production which is the, which, which are the numbers you have to have a healthy dose of the conversation in terms of impact um, on your team and winning uh, signature moments meaning those big matchups um, a la Hurts versus um, Mahomes or Hurts versus Allen. You, you, you got to have those. You got to have those matchups to you know to add to your MVP um, uh, candidacy, right? Um, also, you got to factor in uh, a certain a certain level of leadership and a certain level of rely. Like, does your does your team rely on rely on you to win? Do right? you think people go that deep in the evaluating of that award? Um, I would like to think that you have some who do. But you can't help but, I mean, people are human, right? So people are going to have favoritism, bias, their opinions about whether this person answered my question at this interview or, okay, did this Just person, okay, did this uh, player curve, could curve me when I try to talk to them at the Pro Bowl? You know, all that, all those different Absolutely. personal opinion stuff that, because at the end of the day, you're dealing with people. So you're never going to have a 100% healthy, unbiased vote. Um, you have some people who do the best they can, and I respect those individuals, right? But, um, I've, there's no award in sports that doesn't have any level of bias. Even even though even the, all the Hall of Fames and all the sports, there's bias involved. You know, we you know we've seen it play out through history. So um, if you I vote think, on it, there's bias. Of course, if you if you vote in any capacity, there's a bias involved. Maybe Elections, you, pick exa- one. Exactly, exactly. So, um, but for that particular award, I think I think you can't just win. You can't just win it based off of numbers, right? We have to. What's your impact on winning? What's your impact on team morale? What's your, uh, um, you know, are you the reason they win um, and not the reason they lose? You know, things like that. Um, and, you know, like I said, like, it's, it's, it's just, it's so much more than just the numbers. And some people make it just about that. For example, Lamar Jackson, you brought him no up. No numbers. It's his, He's his not num- in the top 10 in anything, maybe completion right. percentage. His, his numbers aren't spectacular at all. No, but he's, like here's I said, the thing. if you look at him, is, they're really underwhelming. He, his impact is out of this world on that team. But and when you watch him play, you go, okay, you see it. That guy's unreal. You see it. You see it. So again, if if numbers was all you needed, Kirk Cousins would be MVP and all and all that kind of stuff, man. But you know, it's it's more than that. Also, when it comes to a quarterback, right? For me, I'm not look. I don't care about you breaking records or throwing for the most yards, being in the top three in this, top three in that, top. I don't I don't care about that. When I when I'm when I'm evaluating the quarterback or the quarterback that I want for my team, do you win? Do you win the big one? Do you don't uh do you do you uh do you stay away from making the bad play? Right? 
Um, are you boring? You know what I mean? Um, how are you as a leader? Things like that. I don't care about the flashy numbers. I don't care about the flashy quarterback. Does he win? And does he win the big one? Is he capable of doing that? Has he put me in position to do that time and time again? Everything else, Casper the friendly ghost. Does he win? And does he put me in position to win the big one every single time? That's the guy I'm rolling with. I don't care how sexy the name is or, you know, how chiseled the jawline is or whatever. I don't care if he looks like Donald Duck. Does he get the job done? Is he a leader? Does he Is he boring? And does he win and, and put me in position to win the big game? That's all. So I think the MVP award shouldn't be a award about how sexy it looks in the numbers and all. What's their impact on winning? Is this team where they are because of what he's done? What would they be without this player? It's all about value. I, th- I think the answer to your question is in the name of the award. Who's the most valuable player on that team? I think it's person, not player. Person. Okay. Who's the most valuable person in the league to their team? That's how I look at that's how I look at that award. I really right. do. By the way, are you holding a celebration today, a bonfire that um Russell Wilson? Oh, and some of you over there on Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson, I'm going to pull out an easy E-line. Hey, you can get rid of me all you want. I'm still owed $180 million, whether you have me in your building or not. I'm still getting $180 million, and it's all guaranteed, dog. So if you don't want me and you want me to do this, I'm still getting paid. However, your boy Howie Roseman, man, he got off the dock. He's I mean, Russell Wilson saved his ass, man, or that guy would be in Philly. It's crazy how it's crazy how the world yeah, turns, yes, man. Sir. It's, it's crazy how you know you you ever think back in life like, damn, what if I made that left? I would have been caught up with their asses too. Is that you know good I mean? bad luck? <laughs> it's, it's 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 the perfect kind of luck. You you said it earlier though. Sometimes the best moves are the moves you don't make. You bet. And I believe in that. You know, um, I believe in being patient. And what's been it's, it's so many moments where I could have made a decision or done one thing, and somebody said, hey, just. Just give it a couple days. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it, I'll give it a couple days. So many times my wife said, Hey, just 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 wait an hour. Just wait. Man, waiting is a hell of a thing because you know it can put you in a position to win. Though? You know what I do on my tweets? I wait 20 minutes. And I'll say this to you. My tweets now, I wait 20 minutes. And I would say this. I don't. I don't tweet out probably 80% of my tweets now. Who are you telling? There's so many times I've <laughs> typed something in, waited about 30 seconds, I was deleted. I'm like, okay, I, I needed to write that down to get it off. Because I go like <laughs> this. What's the, mean, what's the end mean? What's the end means here to this? What 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 yeah. where does that get me? But bad pub in anything if I say something psychotic like that. Like, what's the end game? Like I always ask myself that question all the time when I post. You cured what? me of that. Oh, wow. I appreciate that. No, you did. You made me, you know, you did. Because you know what? My wife even looked at me and she goes, she goes, look at how it landed. And I went, yeah, but I didn't. And she goes, oh, really? <laughs> and I, and I, and, 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 honest to God, I went like this. Yeah, yeah. She goes, you know what, dude? You're not Mark Twain. So if you write something, you may be thinking it, but you may not be expressing it. You know how many times so I, I'm like I've this. said things? You know how many times I've said things? out loud to my wife or whatever and she's like okay so you you don't plan on saying that to them right and i'm like 
Well, I mean, why, why wouldn't yeah. I? It's, it's how yeah. I, it's the, it's the honest truth. She says, "Yeah, but um, truth doesn't help that check clear, yeah. sir." <laughs> hey, congratulations! Truth. You were right. You're fired. Congratulations. Congratulations. Good. I hate that. All right, I got a question for you on the uh, Gan wagon now coming to town. The Gan wagon. Is he going to be booed or cheered? Now, before you say any, hey, Tone, this guy had the number two defense, mm-hmm. 70 sacks. Right. He helped get you to a Super Bowl. Right. And he's going to run through the tunnel at Lincoln Financial, having returned as a successful now head coach, having been raised in your barn. <laughs> I, I love I love how you set the table. <laughs> and you and Tone uh, bought him. And many Eagle fans, a $10 million house in Scottsdale. Shit. <laughs> I, I think I already was planning to move into Texas when that happened, so I don't know. <laughs> but hey, uh, hey, man, but how do you think Tia, he's going to be question. received in, um, in Philly? They're going to they're gonna torch his ass. Will they're the Eagles put something on the scoreboard? You mean, you mean like a tribute? Like that kind of thing? No, no, just... Welcome home, Jonathan. They didn't win. They didn't win. So I don't think he's going to get that, but I definitely think he's he's going to get his fair share of booze because of how he went out, because of how it ended. Because I th- I think people would have eventually got over, you know, the whole Super Bowl thing. I think they would have got over that. It's the whole, you know, the, the the scandals with the draft and the Vic Fangio stuff. Like it's it's so much stuff that happened. The house hunting. Yeah, like it's so much stuff that happened heading out. You know what I mean? If you lose, you you win some, you lose some. But it was insult to injury when you heard that he was kind of making backdoor, having backdoor conversations. You know, during the week of the hiring uh, game. assistant coaches, you, why you, he was supposed yeah, to yeah. be prepared. Right, like you know, he had he had Nick Rollis already locked into the DC role before they even snapped the ball on Super Ran Bowl Fangio Sunday at the building. So you know. He's going to get hell for the way it looked, the optics. But overall, I mean, he did a good job in, in 2022. Got to give him credit. But overall, they're going to give him hell. Do you think he has some type of advantage in this game preparation? I, this if Sunday? he has one, I'm glad you said that. If he does have one, it's that he understands and knows Nick's tendencies from an emotional standpoint, from a personality standpoint. He, he probably knows... You know, it's kind of it's kind of like a standoff, right? And you know your opponent is a little bit more trigger happy than you are. So I wouldn't be surprised if Gannon calls Sirianni's bluff a lot throughout this game, man. He's going to get a feel for. He's going to know when he's feeling tight. You know, he may he may have the emotional advantage, but I mean everything else though. Um, he may know how to handle the RPO with, with Hurts. He's going to have a lot of he's going he's going to have a lot of handle on that. He's going to know um, the defense too that they're he's, playing because, and he's going to and he's going to know the defense because <clears throat> he was forced to call it himself. So he he's he has a few advantages. I think I think any coach that goes from one situation to the next and he plays that former team has an advantage in, yes. in, in, in many ways. So I think I think it's I think we'll be foolish to believe that he doesn't have something up his sleeve to kind of counteract what the Eagles do. Do you know that I would really not want to see the Eagles play one team? You know what that team is with the Cardinals. The Colts. That yeah, I, I, I'm not looking forward to that. With Anthony Richardson, I'm not looking. I'm not looking forward to that. Gardner because... Mitchell, I think you're covered with Maverick. But hey, <laughs> with Anthony Richardson, that might be a problem because you know why? 
It talks about what you said about, see, this guy right here has takes he forgets. That's how good he's getting. Hey, you know that <laughs> Lamar kid, man. I'll tell you, I don't know if you don't want, hey, I think the Eagles would have a tough time in a Super Bowl with that guy. And no, yeah, sure I, enough, I, I still believe that. Here he is. Oh, no, hey, I don't think that's just isolated in Philly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the Eagles struggle against mobile quarterbacks, but most teams do. So, so it's, that it's means not... they're going to struggle versus Kyler Murray? Yeah. I actually wrote that down. You know, I think I think Kyler Murray is going to it's going to put a lot of stress on that defense. He's going to question their gap. He's going to question um, or force them to uh, question their gap discipline, um, containing the edge. You know, they've already been kind of shaky and stopping to run the past several games. Just him being back, you saw what you saw the you saw the kind of stress Tyrod Taylor put on him, and he really but he didn't play half of the game, and he's mobile. Um, you saw the stress Josh Allen put on them being a mobile quarterback. So they're going to struggle. It's, it's going to test their eye discipline. It's going to test all that kind of stuff. And I think it's going to limit their ability to, um, you know, to rush the passer. Not Is like it a been. close game? I think so. I I, I, I actually think uh, – what's today? Yeah, because we're not going to be – Is it a fourth show. quarter game? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think the Eagles win this game. I think the Eagles win this game 31 31- – 31-23, 30, 31-20, something like that. Yeah, like it's going to be close, but the Eagles are going to do something on the back end to kind of stretch it out, but it's going to be close. I think it's going to be like 31 You are 21. not giving yourself enough latitude and margin of error at all this year. In any game, no matter who the opponent is, it could be the Seahawks, it could be the Niners, it could be anybody. There's but, this is who, but, but this is who they've been. Like Wait, how to... many games did you have some margin of error? Dolphins, Bucks, Dolphins, Bucks, Rams, Rams in the back end. Um, uh, that's a good question. You've had just a few ball games this year where you had margin of error in games. Bucks, Rams, Dolphins. I can't think of one in the second half of the season you've had. No, margin. no, 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 no. They haven't had any margin of error. See, in the Vikings game, they had margin of error, but then they gave it up at the end. Yep. So, um, yeah, they haven't really had too much room to really wiggle around over the past um, half for the actually for the majority of the season. This is just who they've been. So I have to judge them according to that. You know what I mean? I can't. I can't look at them and say, oh, because of who they are, they're going to beat this team. They've proven that it doesn't matter who they're playing, they're going to make they're going to make a game out of it. They've proven that. So we have to accept that. And, and then at that point, the Giants made it a game. Exactly. They made it a game when it shouldn't have been. You had them down 20, 20 to 3 in halftime. And all of a sudden, um, a, a, a fumble on the kickoff and a pick six, they're down now they're on the down what five points or whatever it was. So I can't look at this Eagles team and just say they're going to blow anybody out or or beat anybody by two scores. You know, I have to be realistic with who they've shown me, who they've shown to be. You know, my my, my dad always told me, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Don't try to change them or put makeup on it. Believe them. And the Eagles have shown us that they are not capable of putting teams away nicely and comfortably. If she cheats on you, she'll always cheat on you. <laughs> hey. hey man, you don't it's just what it is, dog. Listen, I'm, right. a, I, I, I'm a one and done type of guy anyway. So oh, me you, too. you know, you, you cheat on me, there's no conversations, really. Oh, yeah, but you know, usually I'm back in the day when Big Sills was younger, man. I, 
I wasn't really much of a repeat person either. I just, you know, was all the way. <laughs> I, you know, hey, how you doing? What's your name? I left my Letterman jacket. You know how I met? You know how I got roped into marrying my wife? He had roped. So we kind of got. We, I, she's smoking hot, and so what I did was I was like um, dating her a couple times. I happened to have left my Letterman jacket over at her place. Oh, happened and she to. Calls huh? me up like a couple weeks later. I hadn't called her in a bit, and she goes, "Hey, you know who this is?" I went, uh, uh, "No." And she goes like this: "It's Kim. You left your la- jacket over." I said, "Fuck! I want that jacket." <laughs> So, thirty-five years later, and a kid, and here I am. Thank you. Dead. All, be- all because of a jacket. <laughs> all, all because of a jacket, man. All because of a Letterman jacket. No ego, actually, because I wanted my Letterman jacket from Miami. <laughs> Imagine that, man. All right. Um, <clears throat> here's one for you. Okay. Who am I? Yeah. Um, I got to learn not to be so aggressive on the sidelines, and I've got to keep my poise. And um, yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 I lost my temper on the sidelines and, um, yeah. Um, come on, man. Why is he, why, 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 why is that why? so important to them? I don't see, I don't feel the need to ever explain myself to anybody. Correct. So, so if anything, the most you get out of me in most situations is, yeah, you know, we, you know, we talked about that and, um, you know, we're working on things eternally. Yeah. Boom. Go home. If if I if, if I'm feeling vulnerable, I'll be vulnerable with my wife, yeah. or, I, or 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 I'll talk to one of the guys in the team. locker room on my team. But as far as on the house, I'm I'm not telling anybody I lost my cool. As far as you know, I was perfectly in the right. Yes. As far as you know. Yeah. But I'll take care of stuff behind closed doors because that's when it matters. Why is that important to him? You think? I don't know because it's it's not important to me, so I would never understand someone who thinks like that. But it's not important. It's it's it a sign of weakness. You know, I've. The need to always feel like you have to explain um, yourself to people, like always, it, like it's, some situations call for an explanation, certain ones, but to always feel like you have to justify who you are and uh, what you're saying on the sidelines, and then you get questioned on it. Look, if people ask, like you know, there's always a hot mic somewhere, right? Do you think so, it's because of social media? Social media has heightened our awareness of who we portray ourselves to be to most people. And does so it make us have to me. explain ourselves a little more? Because back in the day, of course, people didn't have a vehicle to ask you about something that happened in your life. And now, exactly. or someone, even on the field. And back in the day, they had one opportunity to ask you a question. Yeah, and, that's and, right. then, and then all of a sudden, the next game starts and it's over with. Now, you know, the moment, the moment they, snap the ball the moment they get into that arena the moment they step foot on lincoln financial or Novacare grounds assume you're being recorded assume you're being um um assume you're under surveillance assume people see everything and know everything so now you're so sensitive or you're hyper aware to how you're seen how you're perceived how you portray yourself um the things you say and the last thing you want people to look at you as is someone who's weak um you don't want to be seen as someone who's a pushover someone uh who lacks um humility or st- whatever whatever it is people are people are hyper tuned into how they're perceived to the masses i know i, I we, we all are to some extent we, oh, yes, we, we, we all care about how we're seen to an extent right but then you have moments where you kind of overextend yourself and you overshare and you I make like yourself what jojo saying here yeah. And I think that's appropriate. 
Let's see. We Nick get a Sirianni has too many faces. He just needs to have a Belichick face. Mm. That's a great I like take, that. Jojo. Me too. I like that, Jojo. Too many faces. Wow. Jojo, that was good. He had a liar's face last week. Jojo, he had that's a really good. I mean, th then he had an apologetic face this week. I mean, there's a lot of faces, but when you have a lot of faces, that means you're a liar. Mm. But again, I think that's the definition of sometimes today's coaching too, because you know what? Organi and, I, and I'll say to the Sirianni's defense, organizations turn you into liars, and I'll tell you why. Who's the coach down in Atlanta? Arthur Smith. Okay, so Arthur Smith went to Desmond Ritter and told him, you're going to be my starter the whole season. Don't worry about getting pulled. Don't worry about anything. You're going to be the starter. I know Rich McKay very well. You know that. He's been on the program. He's the president of the Falcons. And when I saw that Desmond Ritter was pulled out, I knew immediately what happened. You know what? And not to single anyone out who told me, they told Arthur Smith, your job's on the line. And when Arthur Smith's job went on the line, they had to win some games. They went to Tyler Heineke. Mm -hmm. And they went to Tyler Heineke. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And it turned him into a liar. See what I'm saying, Tone? You know, your self-preservation turns you into self-preservation. See, turns you into a liar. You can turn anyone into a liar. Oh, absolutely. When you, when, when you With money their and fear. Yes, of course. You can turn anybody against anybody if you threaten them the right way. Anybody can be... Every, listen, everyone has a price. Everybody has a price. I firmly believe that. They do. Pete, they just don't know what it is yet until it's found. But everyone has a price. And when it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles... You know, Nick Sirianni is in a situation where his price has already been bought. His price has already been satisfied. Yeah, but he so, knew so the now he's trying when to, he walked in. Of course, of course. We we people choose. By the way, people choose. Yes. Pe pe people choose to be um the environment. Bought. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And look, Nick Sirianni has. You know, he's earned his keep in the NFL through through quality control, position coach, going from D3 college to D2 and working his way up. He's going through all the standard hula hoops that most guys would probably go through. Um, and that's my assumption. Um, he's put in a lot of work to get to where he is. But now you're at a point in your career where it's time for you to elevate who you've been and evolve into this new version of yourself as head coach, at as a master game planner, as somebody that your team can trust. And I believe he still, he still hasn't fully engulfed himself into head coach Nick Sirianni. I think he still holds on to the freedom he has or had as an OC or position coach. That's you know, a tough the, transition too. The, you know, the, you know that familiarity you may have with your players and so on and so forth. You have to be the bearer of bad news and the bearer of good news. 
you know, you have to, you have, you have, you have to be the the strongest, not the loudest. You have to be the strongest voice in the room. You, you, that, you know what? It's a great angle here, and I'll go here. Well, maybe instead of Jalen Hurts regressing, maybe Nick Sirianni's regressed as a coach. Can a coach regress? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because you know the number one, the number maybe one, he's um, regressed. The number one proponent to regression is comfort. Yeah. And when you get too comfortable in your role, when you get too comfortable with not enough rocky waters, not enough turbulence, you kind of forget how to swim. You feel me? You kind of forget how to yes. fly. You know, if you if, if you if you're a pilot and you go through over a million hours of just you know comfort flying, then you finally have that hour of turbulence or you gotta you gotta dodge a rainstorm. Do you do you remember the protocols? Do you Tom, remember what to do? Think of it like this. If you had to go out and kill your food every day to eat, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden someone put a three-course meal on the table the next three days, and you're domesticated. Are you gonna feel more comfortable knowing that your dinner's coming every day? And you're not going to have a sense of urgency, knowing full well that you should have to go out and kill your meal to stay alive. The talent on this team has dulled Nick Sirianni's senses. They're so good, he thought he could just oh, they they, they make everything look good. Just put it out there, and they'll they'll make it happen. They're that They're good. Great. They are great. But guess what? This is the NFL. Everyone's good. Everyone's great. Everyone's and everyone great. evolves. Yes, you don't think the NFL saw that. And I think this is Nick Sirianni underestimating the impact they had last year. The the entire NFL world watched Jalen Hurts go from this to this mm-hmm. in your offense, right? With Shane Steichen, you guys made it to the Super Bowl. You guys came with the three points of winning the whole, the whole damn thing. You guys were the hottest thing on the presses moving. You don't think people were studying you, trying to master what you've what you've done, trying to find ways to um, you know, pick your scheme apart, pick your offense apart. When you're the number one team in the NFC, people watched you in the playoffs. People watched you in the Super Bowl. You, there's no way you couldn't have known people were studying you. And I think that's the biggest indictment on Nick Sirianni as a head coach: his inability to read the room and understand that he has to continue to evolve. He underestimated the NFL studying the Philadelphia Eagles, and they're paying for it now. Their ten and one record is legitimate, but these past three weeks, these past four weeks, has exposed. Um, the lackluster evolution of this offense, in my humble opinion. Tone, how about this? Um, I'm not sure, as media people and media people surrounding the team, I don't think we've done a very good job listening to the players. Mm. And what I'm going to tell you here, and you tell me, agree or disagree here. Okay. So I'm listening to Jason Kelsey's interview today on WIP. We're just too many turnovers, too many mistakes. We haven't hit our groove. It's been a constant struggle for us. Um, We just haven't been able to find any kind of consistency. Then you got Jalen Hurts calling out coaches and players. You got A.J. Brown not talking to media people. You got Devontae Smith after the Giant game, completely disenchanted. You got Brandon Graham talking about too many turnovers and too many penalties, just killing us. You know, I I came to the conclusion after putting all those together and those sound bites in my head together, these players are telling you what their identity is. They don't have one. If they don't believe it, Tone, it's a common comment from all the Eagle players. Every week, I have not heard one guy say one positive thing 
for an 11 and 14 with still the chance to have, they don't believe in what is, they don't believe in themselves because they don't talk like they believe in themselves. This has nothing to do with how they looked at last year, how they had confidence last year. They don't even talk with confidence. I don't think they're having fun anymore. Is that perception off? They just don't talk with any positive. Get this. People talk about me. Name me an Eagle guy who has talked in the last two months in a positive tone. No, you're right. You you bring up a very good point. Now that I think about it, over the past over, over the past four weeks or so, the vibes around this team has, has been all like well, well, with, without question. Has the coach said anything positive? You know, it, it, it doesn't even matter because it's overshadowed with the Sean Desai move, and you know, it's overshadowed with um, the poor play on the field. It, it's has just too many distractions. Positive thing. I think he tries to stay positive. Um, no, has he said but, anything positive? Mm, that's a good question. I would have to go back and listen, so I'm not entirely sure. But Imagine right now, right now, I don't think I've heard anything. One. I can't land on anything right now because, again, um, I, I I really don't think I'm, I'm 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 dying on this hill until proven otherwise. I don't think they believe in this coaching staff. I don't believe it. I don't think they do. I just don't think I, I don't think they had the same reverence for their head coach as they as they once did if they had it at all. Because what winning, it? say that again. What changed it? You're eleven and four. I think I think I think everything we've that's and that's the thing. I think that I think that's what makes it much more frustrating. Because if they were if they were four and eleven, you can you can kind of look around and say, "Are oh, we just suck?" But we're eleven and four. Yet we have so many questions internally. What is that? And I think that forces the players to say to themselves, "Well, hold on, wait. We're eleven and four because okay, yeah, we're talented, but but this but this but this coaching staff, I they don't feel like an eleven and four coaching staff to me. Ninety five percent of the ninety eight percent of the league would kill to be in the position. Of course, they would. That the Eagles are in right now with a shot still to be the number one seed. But you know what it is? They know they're but better I than what they what are. They realized." They realized how close they were to that Super Bowl. And I'm telling you, they now know that they're further away than mm. that scoreboard in Arizona. And That's, what's aggravating them right now is they know they don't have the answer. They to know really. they're not that close to that game and winning that game as they were. It's almost and like they the know. That's thing. Mm, I'm so glad you said that. That's That's a very good point. It's like they know something that we're not willing to accept yet as fans. You ever, you, you ever think about it like that? They know yeah. something that us as fans is not willing to is, are not willing to admit is that this team this team is not a Super Bowl contender right now. They're not, but they're saying it too. And they and I think they realize that without yes. without saying it, but so much you know, I think they feel that they're further away than what they were. Just initially. listen to them. From now on, just listen to how these guys are talking. I mean, seriously, when I listen to the post-game comments by the Eagles after the Giants game, I could have swore they lost by 10. Mm. I didn't hear anything in there where anyone was. And you and you know another reason why they know they're further away is because now they're looking at the head coaches like, what exactly is it you do here? Yes. They're looking at them like, okay, 
we're See, eleven Shane and covered for Shane covered for Nick. We're eleven and four. We shouldn't feel this way, yet we do. Why do we feel this way as a team? Why do we feel this way as players? Why? We're looking at the coaches. Why haven't we found our groove? We're too talented on this side of the ball. Why haven't we found some continuity, some identity? What is it? What's pulling against us? What are we fighting against? We can put up 40 points on anybody in our sleep. What's the problem? So they look to the coaches for the answers, but the coaches have no answers. And they've realized that. And they know they're not legitimate because they're not comparing themselves to the Bears or the Packers. The Bears and Packers will be blessed to have the Eagles issues right now. You know what I mean? These are different kind of issues. But I think I think the Philadelphia Eagles players are looking at it like, hold on, wait. We're comparing ourselves to the Ravens, the 49ers, um, the Dolphins, um, the Bills, um, the Cowboys. We're comparing, we're we're talking about that pool of um pool, uh, pool of teams. We're not talking about the bottom feeders of the league. So in that in, in the upper echelon of teams in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles do not believe that they have what it takes to compete at that level. I think I think they sense it and they really sense it amongst the coaching staff and they see them walking around the building and they know damn well in their heart these coaches ain't got the answers. Winning cures all, but when you start losing, everything else starts getting exposed. I think they realize, like MG says, they're not championship material. They know it. They know it. Like, get this, Tone. Now, now, really, now, now real quick, they're not really going into – Lions are championship material, do you? Say that again? You don't really believe Lions are championship no, material yet. No, no, I don't. They're 11-4 no. too. Right. So, you know, they're, they're – but here's the thing, right? The Lions, like I said, there are certain teams who are just – I don't want to say – I don't want to say lucky – but they feel great about where they are because of where they've been. Yeah. So the Lions, this is if they, listen, if they make it to the playoffs and win one game, it was a success for them. They're two years ahead of schedule. Exactly. But the Eagles, it's it's when when you're of a different ilk, you you are only prone to have certain types of conversations. And and the Eagles and the Lions, they're not speaking the same language right now. Because the Eagles are looking at it like, no, we, we're trying to win the big the big one. The Lions. Whether they want to admit it or not, their organization is like, listen, we want to play. We, we get a home playoff game. We win one. Hey, listen, whatever happens after that, it is what it is. But they're happy with the one playoff one because they haven't been there in God knows how long. The I'm going to tell you this. They're trying to win it all. And I'm they know you, they can't do that. I'm going to tell you this, too. There's another team in the league that knows they're not championship medal. The Chiefs. And that's why you see those blow-ups on the sideline with Mahomes. They know. They know. They know know they're not where they need to be. And that's why you've got a ton of frustration on that sideline Mm -hmm. with everybody because they know they're not – dude, that team is not going to the AFC title game. They're a one-and-done team. Seals, do this for me, right? They're not fixing that. Do this. Name. I want you to give me five Super Bowl. Okay. Give me five teams prior to the season starting you had as Super Bowl contenders. Prior to the season. So okay. in the offseason, give me five teams you had as Super Bowl contenders. Bengals. Okay. Bills. Bills. Eagles. Eagles. 49ers. Niners. Chiefs. Chiefs. Okay. Obviously, we know the Bengals lost their quarterback. So we're going to exclude them. Okay, you know. then let me throw another one in there. Okay. Um, uh, let's just say Cowboys, right? Let's Cowboys. Just say Cowboys. Cowboys. Let's, I, let's, I had Cowboys too. Cowboys. Okay. 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 Let's stay with that, right? We got Cowboys, Bills, Eagles, Niners, Chiefs. Out of those five teams you mentioned, 
can't we easily say the Eagles and the Chiefs are the two worst teams out of five? Yeah. Isn't that amazing how, and that's why we have the conversations we have about the Eagles, about the Chiefs, because they don't belong in the conversation with the Broncos or the or, or the Bears or the Packers. They belong, they belong in this conversation. And when you're at the bottom of the list in this conversation, that's a place you don't want to be because you know you're better than this. The Eagles, they know they're better than this. They have they know they they know the, they they know they fall short in that in, in that championship department. The Chiefs, they know they fall short, and that's what we're talking about here. Do you agree on what I said about the Eagles earlier? I to this point here, I said someone asked me this the other day. They go, "Do you think the Philadelphia Eagles are a Super Bowl contending team?" I said that offense can beat any team in the postseason in the AFC. And NFC on offense, they have the talent to beat any team in the league. However, that defense also can lose to any NFL team on any given Sunday. So when you have that much of a dynamic on both sides of your ball, your margin of error and your chances of playing consistent ball in the playoffs is not existent. You know what they They're are? They're not going to be able to play – consistent football tone because you know why they don't have a consistent team exactly they're it's so funny they're e- the the eagles offense is a super bowl caliber offense Absolutely. but their de- but their defense is a first overall draft pick defense it's isn't it's, that crazy right now if you made the comment the last two months of the season the eagles have the worst defense and now that the run defense has gone the other way hey and you know what too it's interesting um the cardinals I don't know, they're third, 4.9 yards a carry. They run the ball 130 yards a game. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a little bit of kryptonite. Plus, you get Kyler Murray. I wouldn't exactly. go to sleep, man, here on this ball game, too, and because that, if that guy why. gets out the perimeter, gets out in the open, he's another one of them Mar Jackson kind of guys. I don't know if you get him on the ground. And that's why I said to you at the beginning of the segment, Kyler Murray is going to stress that defense. You now, bet he here, is. And here's, their, here's the Eagles saving grace in this matchup, right? I'm glad, I'm glad we transitioned here. Here's their saving grace. Arizona has by far the worst run defense in the NFL. Terrible. Especially over the past three games. Over the past three games, they're giving up 174.7 rush yards per game. They are by far the worst rushing defense in the league. If I know that, that Eagles coaching staff has to know that. Like you said earlier, this is the part of the season where you're trying to get back on track, keep things simple, and reinstill some confidence in your players. Um, run the ball, win the game, get to the playoffs. And don't overthink it. They've been overcooking it over the, the over the course of the season. Hey, I got an owner I have to answer to, Tone. You want me to run the ball 72 times? I got a Monday morning meeting. I got to go talk to the owner and tell him why I won a game, 21 nothing, running the ball 71 times and only having 15 passes and seven completions. I've got to answer to somebody here. Well, guess what? We the, This is where we're going to tell that owner. <laughs> we're going to. Listen, this is what we're going to tell him this. We're going to tell him this. Your team your team currently is just getting off of a three-game skid, losing to the Dallas Cowboys, losing to the 49ers, and losing to the Drew Seahawks. Lock. And losing to Drew Locke and the Seahawks, right? In two of those games, your your team was outrushed by a large margin, by a large margin, right? If you look at some of the best teams, some of the top teams in the league that's competing for a Super Bowl, where are they ranked in rushing? They're all top five, top ten. So listen here, Mr. Laurie. As much as you don't want to lean on your running game, the running game is the, the running game is king, and the running game wins. Just ask the Ravens, ask the 49ers, ask the Cowboys, ask the uh, 
um, any other team that's competing. Ask, ask the Lions, right? Top five passing offense, top three rushing offense. So please, all the all the herky jerky jargon about uh, oh, Jeffrey Lurie, uh, let's put let's put that to bed, okay? The, the, these, these these meetings we're not having them anymore. How we we can we get tone on the bat phone, please? And we need to have a conversation upstairs. Hey, listen. <laughs> as, long as, my, as long as my check clears, you can have any conversation you want. Hey, uh, what's the guy's name in Baltimore? Coach Wilson? Denard Wilson, yeah. Okay. Coach Wilson, can you please come and bring your playbook? That's a damn shame, man. That is a damn shame. That's a damn shame. You can't even have logical football conversation because they're so sensitive about their control and their philosophy, man. And they're not even football. You know how you know that? Sirianni over overcrying it and overcooking it while he's sorry about something and he has to behave himself better on the <laughs> sideline. I mean, dude, please. It, it, it's dude. Hey, I'm really so, that'd be like me having a pre-show that you taped. Hey, I would really like to tell LJ I'm sorry for calling him an asshole. Um, I gotta, I gotta, you know, I'm sorry for calling like uh mask a piece of shit. I'm sorry, I apologize. Oh I need to be better here. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry. So let's move on and have a really good show. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. All right, Tone, let me take a timeout. We got B. Brooks coming in here soon. Yes, I sir, man. It's going to be exciting. Brother. I appreciate you more, man. Thank you. You got it. That is my good friend, Tone. Love the guy, man. Happy holidays to all of you out there. Don't forget. The great bonus bucks during this holiday time, five bucks. Go to Hooters.com. It is Wing Wednesdays, 1983. That's the price you pay for all you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturdays. NortheastHooters.com. That's NortheastHooters.com. When you roll in, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sill sent you. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut and Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. 
anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. figure out the dolphins here a little bit and go with me here and then then i'm going to say something to you about the 49ers that might help the eagles out a little bit here um yeah coaching jobs we're going to take a look at that also the nfl draft order believe it or not top 18 the rest of them are playoffs top 18 are pretty set right now some things will change the last two weeks so we'll take a look at that a little bit but So let me ask you this. So the Dolphins this week, are saying they're not getting enough respect. You know, it's one thing to talk about the Eagles and the success they've had over the last 23 years. And there's been a lot of success. To what limit? We'll always debate that, right? But there's success. Super Bowl appearances, Super Bowl win. You know, the Dolphins haven't won a playoff game in 23 years. And these guys are talking like they should be shown respect for what they're doing. You haven't done anything in a quarter of a century. And you want respect. Barrett Brooks is going to join us in a couple minutes. What respect would you want to have when you haven't done anything in a quarter of a century? And the only reason that you won a division title is because Brady got hurt. Remember that. You won a division title because Tom Brady blew his knee out. And the Patriots still won 11 games that year. So before you start talking about the Dolphins, you earn respect on the field. Okay? You don't earn respect with someone going, hey, you know, it's it just, it, it, they, they need to shut their face and beat the Cowboys. and show, Or excuse me, beat the Ravens. That's a great game this weekend. You beat the Cowboys, and if you beat the Ravens in consecutive weeks, people will take you seriously. 
It's not about what go do your job. Go do your job. I got another little number here for you guys. What do you guys think is the weak link on the 49ers? What's the weak link on the 49ers as a team? Not individually. As a team. The quarterback's not the weak link. The quarterback is not a weak link. He's having a spectacular year. It's not the quarterback. Okay? Depth? Staying healthy? How about this nugget? Tone, check this out. I was told this today by a friend of mine. Do you know that the San Francisco 49ers, since 2017, are 0-38 when trailing in the fourth quarter by eight points or more? Did you hear that stat? Before I get Baird Brooks on, did you hear that stat about the San Francisco 49ers? That since 2017, Kyle Shanahan and the Niners are 0-38. Went down by eight points or more in the fourth. Get a lead on them. They don't have comeback capabilities. Gee. Kind of like the Super Bowl when he was the OC in Atlanta. Think about that. That guy's up 28 points in the fourth, and Brady comes back to beat him. Owen 38, the San Francisco 49ers are since 2017, trailing by eight points or more. My point is, every team's got a flaw this year. There's no perfect unit out there. Well, maybe my next friend is the perfect unit. That is my friend Barrett Brooks. We bring him in. What's going on, man? NBC Sports. Really, hey, happy holiday to you, my friend. You too, man. You too. Happy holidays. How about that stat about Kyle Shanahan? 0-38 when trailing by eight points or more in the fourth since 17. That is crazy, you know. But, I mean, it just goes to show what his offense is all about. They create matchups and and, and get up early because – He's a mastermind that maximizes the potential of his players. You know, I mean, he definitely has a quarterback in Brock Purdy, and I have no qualms against Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is one of the most consistent guys in running that offense I've seen. But the only thing is, if you know, you can't be out of sorts in that offense. You can't have, you know, one or two things wrong. It's almost like the Eagles offense. You can't have one or two, two things wrong and think that you can come back from that. You know, they're not built like that. They're not the improvisers. He's not an improviser like I see with the Allens, the, the, the Patrick Mahomes. Although Hurts can do that, and he's getting back into that. But, you know, they have to be up on you, and that's why they do it, you know, slowly but surely, you know, with, with running the ball, running the ball, then the deep shot, running the ball, running the ball, deep shot. They've done great at doing that, but they just found a team that really just out-physicaled in this last game. You know, that's one of the few teams that hit them in the mouth, and they hit them right back. 
You know what, Barrett, before we get into the Eagles here, I was having a conversation with Tone and somebody else was talking to me about MVP. You know, you look at Lamar Jackson's numbers this year and you go like this, eh, I don't know. If you looked at him on paper, you were like, you know, but when I watched the game on Sunday against the 49ers, I went like this. That guy's the best player on the field. And <laughs> right, no close. I yep. mean, I mean, it's like, okay, and you had Debo and Purdy and McCaffrey and Boza and you, you, you had um, Odell Beckham, the kid Flowers, and you're going like this. I don't care what anybody says. That guy's the best player on the field. I mean, how do you look at MVP? I think it's the most valuable person. Yes. Not the most valuable numbers. How, how do you see it? Well, I mean, he showed there's no more premier games that can match up the premier guys that are in the in the hunt. So you we just had the last premier game with the matchup Purdy versus Jackson. You know, I mean, at this point, you can't help but say Jackson is the MVP. You know, Hertz is gonna play against a you know a Cardinals team and the Giants team, two poor teams. Um you look at even Dak. Dak has, you know, he has to win this game against the Detroit Lions. And at this point, you know, you look at Purdy. Purdy has what? Uh, I think they play, they play the Rams. Rams at and, the end. Yeah, they play the Rams at the end, and they play Washington. So they really, there's really no premier matchups that you can go player versus player. You know, so you can kind of, you know, see what it is. So the last guy standing with the last best performance is going to win it right now. And I think Jackson and his ability to go out there and improvise is unbelievable, unmatched out of anybody. He's so fast and so quick, even with those linebackers that they have there in, in, uh, in uh, 49ers, he just looked like he was just, you know, he, he was untouchable. He was untouchable, you know, and, and he, he can, his, his ability keeps him in the hunt. You know, a lot of times you get out of sorts and, you know, it, it, you don't make the right read. His ability to get around, go around and, and, and really evade pass rushers gives him another window he can throw to. And that's the biggest thing that I saw in that game. He lost the window. He saw a window. It should have been open. It was open. He didn't hit it, but he was able to improvise and hit the next window. A lot of players can't do that. He can. You know what it also did? I think it also accentuated the loss of the RPO in the Eagle offense because what I watched him do versus Greenlaw and Warner was the thing I saw in last year's NFC title game where he froze those dudes. Yep. Those guys were in quicksand and chasing. And this year, those guys were shot out of a cannon, Barrett. I mean, when you take the RPO away from Jalen, you take an asset of the game away that slows the game down for him more. And you saw Lamar slow the game down. The 49er defense looked like they were – playing in quicksand and when the Niners played against the Eagles they looked like they were shot out of a cannon and I think that was also accentuated in that Ravens game there's no question about that you know they got to stop and take the handcuffs off Jalen allow Jalen to be Jalen I mean he he you sh he showed the ability you know even his pocket presence got better in that game and when you run the ball it freezes everybody and that's what they were able to do over 170 yards rushing because of that you have that abs uh you have you have the absence of them being able to just go read and react. You know what I'm saying? You make a freeze for a second, then they react. And that's what they needed. You know, they needed that. So give them that ability back. You know, let them go back to, you know, those read options, them RPOs. You know, he can he can handle it now. And and plus, there's nothing to lose right now. Let's go. <laughs> They've got to get back on track. How about this, Barrett? Um, you know, I, I listened to Jason Kelsey on WIP today. 
And I was listening to him talking about how they'd never really hit a rhythm. They're not the penalties and the turnovers. Then I heard, you know, after the game, Devontae was upset. Jalen's calling out people the previous week, the coaches. Have you ever been on an 11-win team? And have you ever been in a position where you're just not believing in what you're doing? You're winning anyway. But to me, it just seems so different from a year ago. And I think you can speak to this having won a Super Bowl that you've been on teams, but yet, you know what? I wonder if they think that they're so far away from what they almost accomplished in Arizona. And that's the frustration. It's that they may not feel that same confidence that they can go into the postseason with this team because the defense is here. The offense is here. There's a big giant swing. No team is perfect though. But have you ever been in a situation like that? I was on a team. We were 15 and one the year before I won the Super Bowl with the um, Steelers. We were a Steeler team. Ben Roethlisberger first game. We won the first game with Tommy Maddox. Second game, we lost to a Baltimore team that just blitzed the heck out of us, throwing all these exotic blitzes, and um, you know, knocked Tommy Maddox out the game. And then here comes the rookie comes in. Ben Roethlisberger comes in. He runs off 15 straight games of winning, and we were winning and. They weren't like convincing wins, you know what I'm saying? There were wins, right? All right, we ran the ball consistently. We won, we won with a Ben Roethlisberger, not Big Ben. So it was almost as that, all right, we squeaked by that, you know, that league, and then we went against the best player in football, and that's you know Tommy, um, Tommy, um, um, uh, Tom Brady. And when you had Tommy Terrific playing that hit the level he was, they smoked us and sent us home packing, bro. So that next year, and you were 15 and one. 15 and one. Yeah. Holy cow. And you knew it that when you lined up against him, you had flaws going into that game. Absolutely. You know, he's young quarterback making young mistakes, but we had a running day that could hide those mistakes. And when you have something that can hide a mistake and you had a defense as great as our defense was, that's the, you know, that's the perfect compliment you need with a young quarterback. So um, we finally went to a team that played a team that had a better quarterback um, just a good defense, and they, you know, they sent us packing. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I have experienced that before. But I also went I, – I, the year we won the Super Bowl, we knew we were a good team. We just weren't playing up to the abilities we knew we could, and we got we got our ass waxed against, um, you know, Peyton Manning, a Monday night football. And from that point forward, we were like, yo, uh-uh, we're not going to be get beat like this again. He 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 handed it to us. He spanked us and made us like it. And long story long, um, Joey Porter called a team meeting. Um, we were still on the plane. He called a team meeting. We got back. We probably got back to back to Pittsburgh. It was probably around 2 or 3 in the morning. And he called a team meeting. Everybody got off the plane, went straight, straight to the workout facility. We had a team meeting. He gets up and said, hey, everybody in the room, if you don't think we can win, get the hell out. He went to the coaches. Coaches, if you don't think we can win, you can get the hell out too. But everybody, every man that steps in this in this, in this room from this point on, if you don't feel as you can win, you can leave because at this point, we're winning the Super Bowl for my boy Bussy. We're winning for Bussy. And from that point on, things started getting, you know, falling into place. And, you know, eventually we won a Super Bowl. We were a six seed and went the long way. We went to three different stadiums. Not our stadium, but three different stadiums. Be the Cincinnati team. Peyton Manning's uh, Colt team and then beat uh, uh, Denver and went and played Seattle in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, I, I've seen both ways and I've seen 
us get it back on track. You know, that's why I said it's faith at the Eagles right now. They we got it back on track and back to you know us playing the ball we need to play to get into the playoffs and win. How about this, Barrett? Do you think that that Peyton Manning game and the Brady playoff loss, which the was the essential things and yes. the muscle memory games that propelled you to win that Super Bowl and what you guys needed to do, that there was a level of commitment you needed to have with those two losses? It was a level of it was a level of concentration we had to go with, a level of um crossing your T's, dotting your I's. It was a level of all right, we know we're the best team because we practice against the best team every day. So since we practice against the best team every day, we're gonna make sure that we go out there and every man to a man win your individual battle. And once every man started winning their individual battle, we start winning games. Well, you can't, and that's the problem with, with the Eagles right now. They'll 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 go through with times where all right this guy will mess up and then this guy will mess up and this guy will mess up. We'll have this penalty. We'll jump off sides here. We'll throw an interception there. You can't play sound football. They got to get back to basics, back to fundamental football, and they'll be okay. Do you think there's too much noise on this team this year? Um, it should quiet down. I mean, I, this it, to me, it's 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 too much noise by leaders that should be making noise you know that shouldn't say anything just go about your business go about your business and, and that's including the head coach you know he's he's got to calm down a little bit you know what i'm saying and I, and I believe he will you know he'll he'll learn from his examples that's one thing about nick he learns from his examples and he goes forward and puts his guys in great positions so they're going to get it they're going to get it back going again here's here's my question on the d coordinator change i mean i i, I didn't really see any dramatic changes and now that you have giants and cardinals and giants again i mean was there more of a message in the fact that they made that move because in theory barrett they're gonna play the same uh zone defense they're gonna constantly be in that I mean, what was what's the what's the message in your opinion that was sent there because look i mean here's the same guy that schemed up the miami dolphins and shut the miami dolphins down and that's considered what and also has a win against Kansas City this year. I mean, I know he got blown out against those two, but you get you got to say, Barrett. I mean, so you lost over eight quarters your job. Well, to me, I don't think there was a you know, and, and Nick said it was you know. So I mean, I got to go ahead and believe what Nick says. But to me, it just looked more like a call from above, you know, a call from 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 okay you know, people outside of my pay grade, outside of your pay grade, and <laughs> outside of Nick Sirianni's pay grade, you know, so. To me, it came from above, like, hey, we got to change something. And, you know, at this point, you know, you needed something to get something going, you know. And and it's still the same players that are out there. You Like you said, they're still going to be playing the same defense. It's just once you see that they're going to start changing things around and put some fire underneath those players, like, all right, the next the next move is guys going to start getting benched and cut. So, I mean, it, it, it'll put some fuel on your fire from, from that vantage point. You know, you're going to be – you're going to be the, you know, get cut and be on the hound – Greyhound that is, or or you gonna you know get off the pot and, and, and be ready to rock and roll because they they've made one change and that's that's a that, that the coordinator position. The next is gonna be players gonna be benched, you know. So I could definitely see that coming forward. You think those two young players, D tackles, you think they've hit a wall here a little bit? Oh, they've smashed that rookie wall. They're 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 headlong into it. And I can remember my rookie year, man. I mean, after year, I mean after week, I think week thirteen, week fourteen. I hit that rookie wall. I probably started hitting it probably around my 12th or 13th game because I started every single game. I started every single game 
of the preseason. So that's four preseason games, and I just played 13, 14 games in a row. And that I'm, thing's I'm, a real I'm, thing, dude. Bro, my body was it was it was it was like you know I was playing with jealous gelatin legs. My body just wasn't working, and I can remember it was cold outside, man. It was freezing cold outside. We're outside practicing, and I broke my thumb, and I'm still out there practicing. And my coach came up to me. And started saying something to me, and I just flipped out and I started chasing him. Ah, I'm gonna kill you, ah, you know. So I'm, I'm, I'm pissed, 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 you know. So I'm chasing him, and I remember Ray Rose said, "Get, you know what? Take to the house, go on in." We only had like 30, 40 minutes of practice left. He said, "Take it to the house, go on in." So I'm thinking, you know, I, I get to the um, locker room, I start packing my stuff. I'm like, man, I just, I'm about to choke the coach. Now I'm out the NFL, man. It, this dude didn't cut me, man. He didn't kick me out the NFL, man. So I'm in there packing my stuff up, and you know, veteran players when they come in. So they come in, ooh, ooh, B. Brooks is out of here. You out of here, ooh, Big Brooks. So everybody goes to meetings, and I'm sitting in my locker packing up. So here come Ray Rose. What the hell are you doing? I said, what do you mean? You just cut me. Man, I didn't cut you, man. Get your ass in that, that meeting room and calm the hell down. After the practice, I mean, after the meeting, you come back to my office. So I go to the meeting. Then I go to his office, you know, and I'm sitting in his office. Long story long, we sat back in that office, man, and he gave me some moonshine. I was drinking moonshine. He was telling me old stories about 49ers and, you know, how he did this and how he did that, you know, and told me for us about, you know, uh, Lawrence Taylor, you know what I'm saying? I sat there, and I was so drunk that I had to sleep in his office. <laughs> he came back in the next day, 5.30 in the morning, woke me up, told me get in that, uh, the hot box, <laughs> sweated out of me, you know, and it was business as usual, man. Just take that thumb up, man, and kept playing. Hey, so let me get this right. Two coaches talked you off the bus. <laughs> Guy in Kansas State and Ray Rhodes. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, what, what do you think that Jonathan Gannon has any advantages going into this game? Look, the team sucks. I mean, but it's Murray and, and Barrett. They can run the ball some. They run it at about 130 yards a game. They're third in the league at 4-9 to carry. They're not horrible there. Their defense is terrible. They can't stop the run. I get that. They did pound the Cowboys. Do you think, though, that he knows a lot of the things that the Eagles like to try to accomplish? They know he has to know scheme? Nothing. No advantage? None whatsoever. I mean, it, I mean it, it's probably a disadvantage to him, number one. I know, he, I know those players – are pissed off, you know, the way that, you know, the, they got two more games. Ooh, Mr. House Hunter? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At this point, he's ready. He's ready to go. The team is ready to go. I mean, they'll play, you know, just off pride, but they're, they're not playing for him. They're not winning for him. That's 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 for sure. And and there's a lot of pissed off Eagles that think that they don't have a ring because of him. You know what I'm saying? His foot was already out the door in the second half. So they got a lot to prove to him also. So there's going to be some guys in that in the green uniforms that want to choke the devil out of him, bro. So, you know, that's – they, you know, there's some chip on some shoulders out there. They might smack him when they see him on the field, bro. So just, just, just wait. If I was Nick, I'd walk into the team meeting, especially on the defensive side, and I'd go, "Hey, I want to just let you know, you know that ten million house, ten million dollar <laughs> house he's got in Scottsdale, right? You guys, you guys helped pay for that, for him right. to get that ten million dollar house in Scottsdale. You know when, you know when he was like out house hunting, and he was looking for swimming pools, right, and right, stars and the clampets." And he wasn't preparing for the Chiefs. 
Just to want you guys to know that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Remember that motion? Remember that motion? They ran the same motion. They just flip-flopped it. They scored both touchdowns on it. Yeah, he's the one that let that happen the first time. So shame on you. You know, it's a shame on me for, for letting it happen the first time. But then it's shame on you because you let him do it again and he didn't call your attention to it. Yeah, that's the same guy right now you're going to be playing against. So, yeah, he didn't care about you then. He definitely don't care about you now. So they're going to have a little chip on his shoulder. It'll All be right, a little I'm, more insistent. insistent. I'm going to leave you with this here now. Okay, so you know what's crazy? I, I've never seen a team that is more miserable in my life than this 11-4 Eagle team. I, hey, have you ever seen a more miserable girl? I, Never. I think that's a good thing, don't you, in a way? That they're a miserable. Yeah. Because there, there's a level of expectations, you know? Yep. Like, I, I've been in a locker room. Like I said, there's still a locker room. I've been in locker rooms like that where, you know what I'm saying, you know you got so much more potential than you're showing, and you're still not getting it done. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you're tired of the same things happening, the same mistakes happening. That's the, that's the, that's the bad thing about it. The, the, the turnovers... And, 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 you know, mere fact that every time I turn around, I have a penalty in the red zone. You got to cut that out, man. So, yeah, that's some frustrated guys in that locker room who know they have much more potential than they're playing with. You know, and, and, and plus there's some old heads and they're like, oh, man, you know, uh, Slay come back. I don't know if Bradbury going to be starting. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's, yeah. That's legitimate. You know what I'm saying? That's legitimate. You know, they, they've been focusing on beating him. And I thought it was a good move that they uh, – what they did. You know, they put Bradbury on, on Waller. You know the tight end, and it, it worked out pretty good. So maybe situationally they stay in, but you you cannot you can't bench Keely Ringo right now. He's playing too good right now. You can't bench him, and you can't Brown. Uh, you can't um, sit Brown either. He's playing at too high a level also. So yeah, he that yeah, there's gonna be some moves, and I and I and I really potentially see because they're getting healthy. Avante Maddox will be back this week. Slay will be back this week. Uh, I think Cunningham and Morrow also coming back. Come on, Barrett, you pay him, you play him. I know, I know, but did you see what happened to Seattle? Oh, no, no, I, he was he was destroyed. Bruh. He's completely destroyed. I mean. It's time and, to win, though. That's one thing and, he did. Money and winning. I agent, too. I called Brad. I go, there's 17 million reasons you might want to pick this bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got a kid behind you, man, making less money, man. You know, teams Who runs do, a 4-3. They, they want army nice, man. They don't want a seventeen million dollar because the other guy on the other side, they're going to replace. You think they replaced both the corners in the offseason? Well, and I don't I, think Slay's played awful. No, I think Slay's played pretty good. You know, considering the fact that, uh, you know, he was playing with an injury also. But yep, um, it, it, the only thing is, it's something to it when when Slay gets the surgery when when uh the, you know when they made that that coaching change. There's something to that, bro. Hey man, get this. So he he DM'd me because uh -huh. I called him an asshole. Okay, <laughs> and I and I and I said the same. I Barrett, I said the same thing. I'm like, so the first day that this guy calls his first defense as the play caller, Slay goes under the miraculous knife. Right. And all of a sudden, he has a surgery to clean it out. All right, sure. Uh, that particular week, you couldn't wait for another, like, you couldn't do it at the beginning of the week. You and I have done it like this. I got a knee scope on Tuesday, player's day off. I played that Sunday against the Cardinals. All day. I did it twice. Okay, so you know you can do that, and you're like, 
Yeah, so he gets it on a Friday. <laughs> hey, I know you thought the same. I, I thought of you, man. I'm like, there's not a chance he thinks that's that. There's not a chance he doesn't think, hey, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Hey, man, I appreciate you doing this for me, man. Thank you so much. How was your holidays? It was good, man. It was good, man. You know, I'm, um, things going well, bro. You know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm not building a house, but I just bought a house, a rancher. You know what I'm saying? That's double the size of my house I got now. So, but it's double the work that has to be done to it. So, so hold on, you're a rancher in Jersey? I got, I got a rancher now in Jersey. Yeah, no steps. You know, just a rancher style house. So you're I, you're, you're a rancher in Camden. I got <laughs> I got four acres. Wow. Four acres. Yes. Yeah. Four acres. Yeah. So, I, I I'm waiting to move in. Nobody's lived in it for probably ten years. So it was a total reconstruction, all the walls down, Wasn't all new electrical. No, actually, um, actually, the owner of NFL Films used to live there. Had it built back in, back in the He's day. Stable? Yeah. Well, no, no, the other guy, his, his partner, his partner. Yeah. So they 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 uh bought the house. I mean, it's a nice house, man. It's got an indoor pool, everything, man. You know, so. So you guys are fixing it all up. That's really great, man. Yeah, man. You know, everything's brand new, man. A smart house and all that stuff, man. But it's, it's just a pain in the ass, bro, going through all this, bro. <laughs> it is, bro. And I can't hey. sell the house I got now because the market sucks, you know, so I'm going to have to sit on that for about two years. But, you know, it's it's good, man. It's all good. Is the kid still on scholarship? <laughs> no, I uh, Now, nah, he got mad at me and left, you know what I'm saying? My, my bro. <laughs> Izzy, hey. Izzy got mad. He said, you know, I can't live under, under your rules. So he left. No, uh, no, here's Barrett. Doing? Barrett opens up his refrigerator and goes, Where's that coconut cream pie? Who ate that? Should we eat that some bitch? And Did look at this. He got he's got he's got you know, he's got coconut cream pie on the sides of oh oh I didn't know I had to pay for that. How come you come over here every time you take all my groceries? That's hilarious stuff, man. Hey, remember, remember, remember what Denzel says. I don't have to like you, man. You're my responsibility. Let's leave it there. <laughs> Barrett, I love you, man. Thank you so much, my friend. For the show, bro. Have a good one, man. You got it. That is our good friend, Barrett Brooks. Please hit the like button. NBC Sports Philadelphia. Really love the guy. Do me a favor. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Howard Balzer is going to tell us if Eric Allen will be one of the finalists for the Pro Football Hall of Fame at 5.30 Eastern. They're releasing the candidates, and they're narrowing it down. I don't know what the number is exactly, but we shall see if Eric Allen and his name is on that list tonight. Okay, so it's coming out. It may be out now. Okay, it could be out now. What time? Um, It might come out a little bit later on, but that list may be circling now. I don't know if that list is out. And Howard's on the panel to vote for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that list could come out as we're talking to Howard Balzer. So... We will talk to him about Eric Allen, some other names that will hit on it. Um, He also covers the Arizona Cardinals for All City Network in Phoenix. And we'll talk to him about the Cardinals. We'll also talk to him about, um, um, we'll talk to him about Kyler Murray. Oh, you know what? I saw Eric Allen last night. Have you guys seen this ESPN 30 for 30 with Reggie White? He's a, he is a semifinalist, 30D. Fantastic. 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 Okay. 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 Fantastic. That's a that's great. Um, have you guys seen this 30 for 30 on the Minister of Defense, Reggie White? Very interesting. Um, I'm not sure it was a completely um, positive story. How did you guys look at Reggie? Reggie thought gays and being gay was a sin. Yet he spoke the word of God. And 
he's such a good dude. And he was a very complex guy. How did you, how did you take him? I saw they had pictures of Jerome and him. He was, he was very religious, but he was also very political. Politics and religion. Nathan, not absolutely true. Yes, Nathan. Hey, Nathan, you and I can read the Bible. And a Klansman can read the Bible and see it two different ways. You know what I'm saying? Completely true. Or a guy could read the Torah or he could read the Quran and completely come something away from it and be a jihadist guy. Absolutely true. So you, you, it's how you read things and take things in. There's no question. Okay, it's how you perceive it. How did you look at Reggie, though? Chuck, interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that angle. I hadn't thought about that angle, ESPN's liberal twist. I hadn't thought about that. Because ESPN made Reggie White seem to be an anti-gay guy. I know Reggie. Knew him well. And that guy had a lot of love for a lot of people. He did a lot of good for a lot of people. I, I don't ever remember him looking at a person and treating anybody with disrespect who was talking to him. So I, I, I have a different relationship with him through Jerome. You know, it's funny you, here. Let me, let me, let me tell you guys a small story about my relationship with Reggie white. I think I've talked to you guys numerous times about my relationship with Jerome, but I don't think I've ever really told you about my relationship with Reggie. Do you guys know where I met Reggie white? We were, we were 19 years old. I met Reggie before I met Jerome. You guys know where I met him? This is a crazy story. So in 1983, I was a freshman at the University of Maryland. I've told you guys this. And I was the backup defensive tackle for the Maryland Terrapins. And I was a freshman. I was a true freshman. And I was a backup. And we had made it all the way and had won the ACC championship. We were ACC champions. And we got invited to the Citrus Bowl. And back then, there were only like 15 bowl games. So if you got, if you got invited to a bowl game, it was a pretty big deal to get invited to a bowl game. And just because you won eight games or nine ball games, that didn't give you an automatic hall pass to get to um, a bowl game. But we won the ACC, and we got a chance to go. So they closed the entire park down for, for uh, Clemson – no, for Tennessee and for Maryland. And this was the very first year of Epcot Center. And the, you know that ball thing? And, and I lived in Orlando, and I never really thought anything of Epcot. But it was the first opening weekend of Epcot. And so we got a chance to hang around with the Tennessee guys. And Reggie White was a consensus All-American. And you got to remember something about Reggie. 
Reggie was a local guy. He was going to the Birmingham Stallions. He was not going to go and play anywhere else because he wanted to stay close to home. Tennessee, Birmingham, all that. He he did not want to go far away, and he's a Southern guy. So we got a chance to hang out, all of us. It's super guy, funny as hell. Best Ali's, Howard Cosell's. This guy loved doing wrestling. He really, I mean... I mean, he thought he was Hulk Hogan. Hilarious. Funniest guy ever to be around. Had a great time. I mean, I have never congregated more in my life with an opposing team that we were going to play more than I did the volunteer guys. Charles Davis, you guys know who, who Charles Davis is, the guy who does television. He's a color analyst for, I think, Fox. Charles Davis and I are friends, and he was on that Tennessee team. And so we, we've been friends ever since then, too. And great guy. And the, the, the they beat us. And then he went into the uh, USFL. And that's how I met him. And then how, how the whole relationship got even bigger was when Norman Brayman, who owned the Eagles, um, used to come over and watch our practice, and he loved Jerome. By the way, I hate to tell you Eagle guys this. I think that Norman Brayman thought that Reggie hated Jewish people. Um, I just always felt that, and so did other people, that there was a hint in his religion talk about anti-Semitism. I don't believe he was. It just... Seemed it and how he talked to time. And it, 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 Reggie was so complex of a man. He really was. And I always thought Norman liked Jerome more. And it was his in 1986. That's why Buddy used to come down and see us all the time because Buddy Ryan was going to draft Jerome. We, the, everyone at my program knew Jerome Brown, no matter what the pick was was going to be a Philadelphia Eagle because the owner lived in South Florida. Or as Buddy would say, the guy who lived in France. But he lived in South Florida. And I knew I was great friends with Norman. Okay? And and by the way, Alex, Reggie never hated anyone. That's not what the homosexual community thinks about him. Okay? And if you watch the special, that's how ESPN portrayed it. And I do agree with you. Those, those folks at ESPN would put a liberal twist on it. I completely agree that they would paint Reggie that way. I, I never believed it because I agree with you. I think Reggie loved everyone. The way he talked, the way he acted, the way he was around people, the help he gave people. I never bought it. But I always thought Norman felt that way. Norman's still alive. And when Reggie was getting ready to make a decision on leaving Philly and going to Green Bay, Norman Brayman was going to the front office people saying his best years are behind him. He's overrated. Um, I'm not paying him that money. He did everything he could. He talked as much shit on Reggie White as possible. Norman Brayman did more than Jerome Brown's death did to push Reggie out of Philly. He really did. He poisoned the whole thing. 
But I don't really think Reggie wanted to leave Philly. Okay? I, I do not believe. I agree, Anthony. Okay? I, I agree. I, I would say this to you. I do not believe he wanted to leave Philly. But if it wasn't for Jerome's death and for Norman Brayman, the way he was, he was really anti-Reggie in the end. It was him, in my opinion, that pushed him out. I really believe that. I agree with you, Chuck. Chuck, now that you point that out, absolutely true. That I, they would put it, and they did put a liberal spin on it. And I was like this. I never felt that way that he had anti-Semitism and hated hated homosexual. I never felt that way. If you were around him, you didn't feel that. You didn't feel he hated anything. He was just the guy who read the Bible. And he, you know, I just never thought that. It is really a complex. And if you didn't know the man, you would be snowed into thinking Reggie had some anti-Semitism and he um, didn't really like homosexuality and homosexuals in this country. And I, I found that to be offensive. I thought it crossed the line. Because when I was watching it last night, I, you know, it brought me to tears. Seeing Jerome and him. And, you know, that's why he loved Favre so much. Because he thought Favre was a white Jerome Brown with all of his faults. Okay. Very true, Kyle. I just felt offended that ESPN would put that part in the 30 for 30. And I was like, what's the end game of that? You would, you would think that ESPN would have celebrated a man of God in a good, positive way. Instead, they turned him out to be a guy who had questionable views and yet told people he loved them. You got to watch it because I think you'll come away with it the same way I did. I I never would, if somebody came to me and goes, Sills, do you think Reggie had anti Absolutely not. I, I've been around that guy. For hours, days, I've been around him for weeks. I've never felt that way around him. Like, I've gone to dinner with him. I've been around. I've never thought that. I never thought that. Uh, I never heard him ever say, I don't like homosexuals. Okay, because a man of God loves everyone. They're all, we're all God's creatures and we're all born with original sin. So you're not a true faithful man. If you have any distaste for a person because of politics, race or religion or sexuality for that matter, it was a 30 for 30 chip. And it just made Reggie seem more political than religious. That's how I took it. And I'm probably going to watch it again. I'll probably watch it again, but, um, okay. And it's Disney. Alex goes, Disney, um, owns ESPN. There's your sign chipped. I, I, 
It's a liberal agenda. I just, he loved Philadelphia, man. I just, that's all I remember. Okay. That's brother. I never got, he was political. I never got that. Like I told you, if I told you that I have been around, I've been around Reggie 200 times, sure. Never felt that. And like in personal settings with Jerome and Seth and Keith Jackson and Byers. Why do you think Keith Byers comes on the program all the time? Because we were all friends back then. Andre Waters was my friend. He lived in Tampa. He died in Tampa. I used to see him all the time, Andre Waters. Andre is a dear friend of mine. I loved Andre Waters. I loved that whole defense. I was fr- You see Mike Gullick come on here. You got to watch it. You got to watch this thing. All right. I'm going to take a timeout. We're going to look at week 16 because, again, this is the final show of the year. Um, we're going to take a couple of days off. We'll be back next Tuesday. Um, so we look forward to you guys. We really appreciate it. We're going to look at week 16. I'll give you a little bit more of what I see happen Sunday against the Cardinals. We'll do that. Don't forget, Howard Balzer, too, from All City Network, will join us. He will break down the Cardinal game. And he covers the Cardinals, and he's a Hall of Fame voter. And Eric Allen is a semifinalist, which is awesome. Keep it here. Hit the like button. Stay here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, 
Then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Football show. By the way, just to put a period on that last um, segment we were talking about with Reggie, the Minister of Defense, HBO, excuse me, ESPN, thirty for thirty. You know, and you saw those great pictures of Jerome and how his death affected Reggie. You know, one of the things that you know I'll always take as one of the great um, honors is that I carried Jerome to his resting place with Clyde Simmons, Reggie White, Seth Joyner, Winston Moss, and Alonzo Highsmith. I carried Jerome to his resting place. And it was Eagles and Canes. Yeah. Crazy. It was a who's who. It was a who's who, man. Buddy was there. Everybody. It was a who's who. Cortez Kennedy, Russell, <clears throat> Reggie White, Chris Carter. Yell goes, I was listening to WIP when the news broke that, that Jerome was killed in a car crash. Um. Yeah, yeah, I've told you. The AP called me, and my friend Eric Andelsack had been killed, who was a guard for this for the uh, Lions. <clears throat> and they go, "Hey, did you hear?" I go, "Yeah, really sad news that he was killed in Thibodeau, um, Louisiana." And he goes, "No, did you hear about Jerome?" I, I was like this. I go. <clears throat> I go, no, what? What happened? And they he goes, Jerome was killed with his nephew. And I had just talked to him the night before. He was buying a brand new Corvette. And he was very proud of it. He was going down to pick it up. He picked it up. And all he did was gas it. It went down to one of them embankments, flipped upside down. And guys, should I, do I dare tell you? The ending? Would you want me to hear the, would you want to hear the ending? Or no, too much. Probably too much. Matt. Okay. Loki. 
Um, Jerome was pushing the car off his chest. They kept trying to push the car off the chest and he was pushing it. He didn't die instantly. The nephew did because he was decapitated. <clears throat> and Jerome was pushing the car and it just gave way and crushed his chest and that was the end of it. <laughs> you had to be a pretty big pilot like to take that light out. Yeah, he, he lived a little bit. They thought they were going to save him, but they couldn't get him out. So I'm watching that special last night. And I'm watching ESPN paint Reggie White into being some fanatical religious guy. And I was so insulted. I really was, was insulted. I came away from that angry. You know, because that's not who I knew. Maybe he was different. Okay. Eagles went down. It, it sure did yell, you know, but he got fired. All the free agents, Norman Brayman didn't want to pay anyone. Everyone left. And it was the end of it. It really did start the beginning of the end. It really did. It truly did start the beginning of the end of that Eagle era. And then you got a really good era coming in. When Jeffrey Lurie bought the team, he really did and has been, in my opinion, he's been a really good owner. Okay? He's, he's put a really great product on the field pretty much every year that he's been the owner of that team. And he's been committed. And again, we we argue and we complain about the way he um, does business. But still, at the end of it, he puts a really good product that you're proud of and that you'll pay for on the field. And in the end, that's all you're really asking for is fans, too. Yes, you want to win Super Bowls, of course, because look at this. Do you want to, you know, I'll say this to you. Tone is... He is spoiled. Tones in a, from a spoiled generation of Eagle fans. It, it's like the Cubs or the Red Sox now. That's a whole different generation of Red Sox fans. The Red Sox over the last 20 years have been more successful than the Yankees. When I grew up, that was reversed. The Red Sox were never successful. Always letdowns in World Series. Yankees always winning. Okay? Always winning. And and they're from a different, even the Cubs, you know, Cub fans making it to the playoffs now, having a World Series a couple of years ago. If you grew up now, you're like, wow, the Cubs are really a good organization. They did. Cubs sucked for 100 years. I mean, the last time the Cubs prior to that World Series were good. You 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 rode a horse to Wrigley. <laughs> Think about that. You rode a horse to Wrigley. The last time they were good. 
when they won a series. Was a yeah, was that back with Hack Wilson? Right? That's back like in Hack Wilson days. Before we get Howard Balzer on, and we're not gonna have a Friday show. Um week 17 NFL. Let's take a look at that before Howard jumps in here. And if he jumps in, we'll stop it and pick it up after him. I think this is going to, hey, these last two weeks are going to be about positioning in the playoffs now on who you may play and who you may not play. If I were the Eagles, my mentality would be about positioning. I would not be thinking about the number one overall seed. I would be worried about taking care of business. Let me win my final two and let the cards lay where they fall where they lie. Okay? Let's 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 let this thing play out. It still could fall into favor of Philly having home field. Okay? It still could lay there. So let this thing play itself out here. Jets in Cleveland. I'll tell you something. It's a Thursday night game. Um, I, I can't believe the Cleveland Browns are going to win 11 ball games. 11 ball games. Am I right when I say this? There's a chance that the Cleveland Browns could finish the season having lost their quarterback in week four, 12 and six or 12 and five. Is that right? They could be 12 and five. Would you, Hey, Yale, is this, is that Yale brings up Joe Flacco. Would we compare this to Earl Morrill in the 72 season with the Dolphins when Morrill took over early in the year for Greasy? And he would go, actually, the quarterback that year in the regular season was not Greasy. Greasy took over in the Super Bowl in the Washington game, and they only won 14-7 at the Coliseum. In Los Angeles, Greasy didn't really play a lot. It was all Earl Morrill, and Morrill had been an MVP. And remember, he played in Super Bowl three versus Namath, and he was a former MVP himself. So you could make that comparison, Flacco and Earl Morrill, because the job he's doing now for the Cleveland Browns, it's, it's really a great story. I got Cleveland winning that game. And I think they win it pretty convincingly, something like 28 to 10. How about this one? Here's a game that has ramifications around the Eagles. Spirit of Jim Brown, baby. Detroit at Dallas. Who wins this? Who wins this? Yeah, you want to hear something else? Earl Morrill was a position coach at the University of Miami when we won our first national title for um, Howard Schnellenberger. Remember, Howard Schnellenberger was on that 1972 Miami Dolphin staff, and he has an undefeated Miami Dolphin ring. That's why our national title rings look like the Miami Dolphin. That ring, here, let me show it to you. 
See this national championship ring? That's the 1983 University of Miami National Championship ring. Okay? Now, do me a favor. Oh, my God, my friend Howard Balzer is going to see this right now. And so you understand, as you see this here, this is the 1983 National Championship ring that Howard designed. But you have to remember something here. This ring was designed exactly like the Miami Dolphins 72 undefeated team. And the reason is because Howard Schnellenberger was on that coaching staff and Earl Morrill was the quarterback on that team. And this ring here was designed and Earl Morrill got this ring. And so when we got, when they handed these rings out, they looked exactly like the undefeated Dolphins. So if you go back and you look at the, um, the Dolphin undefeated ring, it's exactly, this is the exact um, design. And so Howard wanted it, and Don Shula okayed it. One of my two national title rings, all that being said. The semifinalist list has come out. We'll talk that. My friend Howard Balzer, of course, part of All Cities Network, also Arizona Cardinals and Phoenix. Does a great job. Has covered the National Football League for decades. We'll talk Hall of Fame here in a minute. My friend, how are you, man? Happy holidays. Thank you. Same to you. I'm doing. I'm doing great. I'll tell you. Right when I connected, I heard you talk about Howard designing a ring, and I'm thinking, man, when did I design a ring? I, I, don't remember. <laughs> I thought you were leading into my appearance, but then as I listened, I realized you were talking about Howard Schnellenberger, which brings back, as I digress, one of my great. I shouldn't call it great, but one of my, I don't, some things you remember where you were and things that happened. And early, I'm pretty sure it was early 70s. And I was, went to an Eagles game after they played. I, my family, I lived, I grew up in Philadelphia. My, uh, my family was there. I was in college at the time, but it, but it gone home and went to an Eagles game with my dad. And as we're driving home and listening to the post game, we get word that Bob Ursay, the owner of the Colts, I'm pretty sure my memory is right, had fired Howard Schnellenberger yep. in the locker room right after uh, that game. And I'm sure Howard rude the day that he ever went to work for Bob Ursay. <laughs> Boy, he, he hated that experience. He had told us numerous times, um, you know, make sure you line up with the right owner. And, you know, he's always said this about, the Robbie family is that the reason that the Miami Dolphins really haven't been the Miami Dolphins until what you're seeing a little bit right now is because the Robbies were excellent football people and they knew what, you know, and how getting a big coach like Don Shula and how important it was going from George Wilson to Don Shula and getting him. If I'm not mistaken, that wasn't he like one of the first coaches that you had to give draft choices up for to get Don Shula over to the Dolphins. And that's how they got him over there. Might have been. I mean, that's really going back. I mean, I, I, I think I think you're right on that. Obviously, it hasn't happened that many times uh, over the years, but you know, every now and then it does happen with Bill Belichick 
uh, happened with John Gruden, of course, going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who just went into the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, this past August. He it wasn't technically a trade, but after he got fired by the uh, the Cardinals, he had time left on his contract. The Chargers wanted to hire him, and the Cardinals insisted uh, on a draft pick. I think they only got a third round pick, whatever it was. So yeah, it's it, it's happened. I, I think you might be right that that was the case with uh, with Don Shula. Howard, um, before we get to Eagles and uh, Cardinals this weekend at Lincoln Financial, did you agree with me what I'm saying that I'm making a comparison that Flacco? It reminds me of the Earl Morrill story a little huh. bit here. That you know he takes over, all of a sudden he drives a football team. Being people always are under the assumption that that was greasy. That led that team. Right. Earl Morrill led 90% of that drive to being undefeated. And if I'm not mistaken, Greasy takes over in the Super Bowl against Washington for them to be able to go on and win. Or maybe it was the playoff game prior to that. But, I mean, this it's been a remarkable story in Cleveland. They got a chance to be 12-5 and five this year. No, it definitely is a remarkable story. Of course, at least Earl Morrill was on the team. Uh, the yes. Year, right? I mean, he, was, he wasn't sitting on his couch. <laughs> And then get signed, you know, coming down the stretch of the season. It does what he does. I mean, there's been other some other interesting backup quarterback, you know, stories. I mean, didn't the, I think the Giants got to a Super Bowl with Jeff Hostetler, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. You know, with quarterback, there was a course, it. Yeah, exactly. There was the Washington situation where J- Jay Schrader uh, opened the season as the starter, and then eventually Doug Williams uh, became the starter, and of course had that in, you know unbelievable uh, Super Bowl game in which. You know, Washington beat uh, – who they beat? The Bron- Was it the Broncos? Or Broncos. The so, yeah. So, yeah, they, they, there's been other times where there's been really great backup stories. But if this one continues and and the Browns end up even making some noise in the postseason, it, it will be one of the most unlikely ones uh, because here's a guy that – I mean, you see these teams that don't put a lot into their backup quarterback situation. And here's Joe Flacco, who, yeah, he's up there in years, but you know the guy, the guy has shown that you know he can still play, and and no one thought it was, you know, a good move to sign him for training camp or early in the season, whatever it might be. And he sat, and he sat, and he sat, and boom, here's what he's doing with the Browns. It's it's a pretty remarkable story. And now there's some people. I mean, I got to vote on this in a couple less than two weeks. Who's the comeback player of the? you know, of the year in the NFL. Could you give it to a guy who only maybe, what, would have four or five, whatever it is, number of pre, you know, regular I think it's games. Tua. What's that? I think it's Tua. Yeah, he, he's going to get votes. There's no doubt about it because the whole voting process changed last year with all the awards where it used to be is the voters, you just pick one guy for each category, whether it's MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, whatever it is, you pick one guy and they added up the votes. Well, last year they started a point system. So we have to pick, we have to rank one, two, and three, our comeback players of the year. So he's going to get votes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Will he get enough points to win? You know, we'll, we'll find out four nights, Friday set three nights before the Super Bowl in February. Howard, do you vote for the MVP? Yes. Okay. So you vote for the National Football League's most valuable player. Let me ask you something. Um, when I looked at, again, I'm sorry to, to uh, not ask you the questions yet about Cardinals and Eagles, but you're so plugged in. And one of the very few voters that vote for that award, you're to very select group. It's probably even more of a select group for that. 
than it is even for the Hall of Fame when it comes to voting for the MVP every year. So a perfect guy to talk to. I mean, when I look at Lamar Jackson's statistics, they're not he's not going to be top 10 in anything, right. except maybe completion percentage. But then when I do this, Howard, and I watch him Sunday night with Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Odell Bat, all these superstars, there is not a question. He's not the best player on the field. I mean, he just jumps off the page at you. How do you how do you balance that? Yeah. Not a- being a 35 touchdown quarterback thrower. And yet when you watch him, there's no denying he's the best player on the field. Well, he he well, I, he was the best player on the field in that game. I don't know if, you, if you're saying he's the best player on the field in the league. You can make the case for it. And I got the best record. And it, well, and yeah, and 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 he he's going. I mean, he's definitely going to get a lot of votes. And th- there's going to be a. This could be one of those years where there's a lot with the points where it's really interesting. Before that game, the debate was Purdy or Christian McCaffrey just on the 49ers. Agreed. Not not to mention some of the other players. Dak. That, you know, that, that, that will get votes and will be listed in the top five. Uh, the other awards are top three. The MVP is top five. And so my personal feeling is, at least on that argument, it's McCaffrey uh, because of the overall value that he has to that team. And I, I think sometimes, Dan, not sometimes, but I think we all sometimes as voters, oh, and by the way, there are 50 voters for the AP awards and 50 for the Hall of Fame. So right now it's the same number. Oh. But be that as it may, I think a lot of times when there's a little bit of thought in it or the thought that goes into it, I should say, is that, well, we've got these quarterbacks, we've got this running back or this wide receiver, whoever it might be. And what ends up happening is you go, okay, well, vote for the quarterback for MVP and the other guy for offensive player of the year. And I think that becomes a default decision from time to time. So I think Christian McCaffrey and maybe Tyreek Hill, they'll both get a lot of votes. I think McCaffrey will probably, and I say probably, be the offensive player of the year. But MVP, I mean, this reminds me of 1999 when the Rams were on that went on that run, and the debate was Kurt Warner or Marshall Falk. Who I thought Falk was the better player. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people said that. I mean, without Marshall Falk, would Kurt Warner no. have been able to do what he did? Now we can say that about a lot of quarterbacks. Without this guy or that guy, would they be able to do? what they did. And and McCaffrey now is, I think it's 69 yards short of a 2000 yards from scrimmage combined season. I think a lot of people don't realize Dan, the guy scored 21 touchdowns. Unbelievable. And he's gone wire to wire. He could become the fifth player since the merger, fifth running back to lead the league in rushing from on week one and lead it every week throughout the rest of the season. So I would argue McCaffrey there. And I, and I'm, I believe there will be put people who will put McCaffrey number one, on their ballot ahead of Lamar Jackson, perhaps for the reason you said, is that he he doesn't have great numbers in a lot of the categories compared to other quarterbacks. But what makes it, you know, so let, I'll use the Bills as an example. You know, suppose the Bills went out here, a team that was almost buried a few weeks ago, and they go 11-6. and six. Now, they don't have the same record as the, as the Ravens, but, oh, some people, you can make the argument, well, Josh Allen is the most. I, I might take the Bills in the playoffs over the Ravens. And you very well might. And is, is he the, quote, most valuable player? 
And that's just a matter of, of gut feeling of what each voter believes about, about doing that. I haven't made up my mind yet. <laughs> I've got till January, whatever the Wednesday is after the season ends. I think that's the, I think that's the 10th. So I got till then to, to actually write those names in. And I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but there, there's some there's some tough choices this year. But you, but go back to your original point. There's no question you can make the case for Lamar Jackson. And we talk about the passing numbers, but look what he's he's got almost 800 yards rushing. Yeah. Now he only has five touchdowns, but how many times has obviously they extended drives and kept the football and done what they needed to do because of his running ability and the fact, knock on a little wood here for Lamar Jackson, that he stayed healthy. All season, last two years, he hasn't been healthy at the end of it, at the end of each season, and that had a big impact on what the Ravens did not accomplish as a team. All right, let's get over to the game on Sunday. Um, your your your, your <laughs> first year takeaway on Jonathan Gannon is he the right fit for the Arizona Cardinals moving forward in their future? I, I think he is. Now it's it's year one. I think what he has successfully done with a tremendous number of missing pieces, moving pieces, I should say, missing pieces and moving pieces, and a team that you looked at their roster entering the season, and no, there's no surprise that they've only won three games. But there has been a lot of feeling that they, they've done about the best they could with this roster. And he has implemented with a, with a, a very young coaching staff, you know, two first-time coordinators, and a lot of first-time coaches in the NFL, he has put in a, quote, process, and they all use the word process, of accountability, culture, how to do things. And the one thing I'll say about this team, because I'm around them, Dan, every day, and in most places, if you're 3-12 and 12 with two to go, you know, the, the players are talking, you know, they already got the – The U-Hauls are packed. Yeah, the U-Hauls are packed. They got almost the car running, you know, the motor running in the car. But this team is still out there competing, even, even if sometimes they don't, they're just not good enough. And I, I added this up the other day and they just added a guy to the roster today from the practice squad. Right now they have 33 players, including 14 rookies, 13, um, 33 players that have two years of experience in the NFL or less. Wow. And, and they've lost guys at positions on the defensive line. They have a whole bunch of guys that would be decent rotation players with other teams, but they've also been guys that were cut by other teams. And they're all got, they're all basically rotation players. So they could play on other teams as rotation guys, but to have all rotation guys on your roster in the trenches on the defensive line is not a recipe for success. And on top of that, they've lost a bunch of guys since week one. I mean, they have five defensive linemen that played in the first week of the season, only one of them will play on Sunday. And that's a guy named Kevin Strong. But if I went up to 100 NFL, 100 NFL fans on the street and said his name, no one would even know who he is. So I, I think given all that, given the quarterback situation that they knew it was going to be with Kyler Murray not being available like until halfway through the season, they knew this was going to be a rough season. But they've got a lot of you know, draft picks in, in their pocket for next year. They're going to have another high pick, which they could decide to parlay into more picks. And, and we'll see in the long run whether this group led by Monty Austin for the GM can put together a roster good enough to compete 
on a consistent basis. And so I, I think along those lines, I think, you know, Gannon's done, you know, a pretty good job. And I'll say this before your next question is that I've often used this term. I think that teams a lot, teams that don't have good records will tease us, right? It doesn't mean, you know, not every play is not a failure. They'll have a good play. They'll have a big play. They'll look good for a drive. And the people watching, especially fans, say, oh, look at that. They can do that. Why can't they do that every down? Why can't they do that every series? Well, when you're not as good as the other guys, you're going to have those, but you can't do it consistently. You can't do it on third down. You don't do it enough in the red zone. I mean, this team, by the way, I think they do it sometimes too much, but they are at the bottom of the league in fourth down conversions. They've actually tried 30 fourth down conversions and only made 11. Wow. And then they're at the bottom, near the bottom of the league going for two point conversions where they're three for 12. And so those are the plays. Those are the key times that you, you need the talent to make those plays consistently. And right now they just don't have it. They've got a small receiver core that with a healthy Hollywood Brown is, is five foot nine. Two other guys are five, seven. Michael Wilson has had some struggles down the stretch. He's he's six two, but he's the only guy at wide receiver that's hot, taller than five nine. They've got a lot of things to address in, in in the off season when it all begins in a couple of weeks. You just mentioned it. Arizona will have the second pick as of today in the sixteenth pick. What do you do with Kyler Murray? Are they in the room? And I know there's a lot of money. So there's dead cap conversations that you have to deal with with that. They traded. First, they they moved off of Josh Rosen to get to Kyler Murray. And so you're talking about a lot of commitment with money and finances. But as you said, you're in a position sitting in a two-hole here with either Drake May or potentially Caleb Williams that could sit there at the two-hole. And at 16, you could parlay that either in the moving up or back down into the draft and parlay a couple more first rounders for the next couple of years. So, I mean, where do you think they are with that, with Kyler yeah. Murray? Are they, are they a fan of his? Do they like him? What's, what's the future with him in Arizona? Everything they said indicates that they are, but what else are they going to say? They can't, so they don't want to devalue him right now. There's no reason. Exactly. To. exactly. Because to get off that contract, they need someone to take it off their hands. Otherwise the cap hit next year would be massive which is why I, I think that they – obviously there's a new group evaluating him. They seem to support him. They, they love his – the way he's, he attacked his rehab and the way he's attacked learning this new offense. They realize that he doesn't have the horses around him to be successful. In some ways, Dan, it would make sense. Bring him back for next year. Trade that high pick. Get even more draft picks. And then if you decide it hadn't worked out, there'll be quarterbacks in the next draft. And I, I he, he, the term that I hate the most, and everyone, you, well, but if you have a chance to get a generational player, you got to take them. Well, who knows if they're generational players? You know, every year there's quarterbacks. I looked at this. I went back from 2014 to 2018. From 2019 on, it's still a little too early to judge a lot of the quarterbacks that were taken in the first round. From 2014 to 2018, that's five drafts, right? There were 16 quarterbacks taken in the first round. Only three are with their original team. Wow. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Wow. There were seven guys, Dan. Massive failure rate. Selected in the top three picks. Wow. Top three. Seven. None of them 
are with their original team. And one, oh, and by the way, in that previous group, I think there's four of them aren't even in football anymore. Of the seven that were top three picks, only one, uh, none of them are with their original team, and only one's a starter, and that's Jared Goff. So this whole thing is, well, if the quarterback's there, you got to take them. Well, Caleb Williams isn't Peyton Manning. Drake May isn't Peyton Manning. And so if you have that pick and another team believes they are and is going to trade a whole, I mean, look what Carolina gave to get Bryce Young. And I, I, I say get more picks. And I even say that to people who say, well, we'll take Marvin Harrison Jr., yeah. generational receiver. Well, okay. I'm not, I'm not arguing he's not going to be a good Everyone that I read and say and from what I've watched, there's like five or six guys that and, – and, and a, a Ram scout told me this. He said, you don't have to get the best guy. You just have to get one of the best. And some of these – To, to your point, see. Howard, the last decade, 65% of the all-pro wide receivers were second-rounders. Right. And here's, a, here's an interesting one. I went back – I was thinking to myself of Justin Jefferson. He was the one that came first to mind because I knew he was picked later in the first round. So I went back to that draft, 2020 draft, right? And in front of him, let's see if I can remember. Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was was picked in front of him. Eagles uh, took him. Yep. Henry Ruggs. Now, we'll never, un, tragically, we'll never yep. know what might have happened with him. Uh, C.D. Lamb, very good receiver. Jerry Judy. Okay. I mean, yeah. Not not bad. No, no, but, but not over the top. Right, right, exactly. So there are five or six guys, I believe it was, that was picked in front of Justin Jefferson. So that just shows, and and I love, I know fans and everybody, they all love to talk about, oh, you got to pick the generational player. Well, who knows who the generational guy is going is going to be? And that's that's just the reality of it. And as you pointed out, the guy now the ones in the later in the draft that you know that could be. I mean, look, look who who would have ever predicted that Puka Nakua would do what he's doing for the Rams. So you can't count I on can that. I can still barely say his name, Howard. <laughs> exactly. You can't count on that when you're going into the draft. But you can count on some really good ones being available later in the first round or second round, whatever it is, and just build your team with as many good players as you possibly can. And like I said, if you want to if you decide to move on, the, the one sneaking suspicion I have in the back of my mind about this group is that you look his he's never going to get taller i mean no a lot of teams take chances on the justin fields of the world and the jalen hurts Bryce 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 the ball. but five foot ten and he, the interesting thing when the season started the cardinals cut colt mccoy and david blau who were each i think six foot maybe six one at best right they drafted clayton toon who's six three or six four they brought in jeff driscoll for the roster is down the prep practice quite I think he's either 6'4 or 6'5 and then when they had Joshua Dobbs he was 6'3 or 6'4 so they had all taller quarterbacks so that's the one thing I wonder in the back of my mind do they really believe that they can compete for playoff games and winning a championship with a 5'10 quarterback and I don't no one knows what they truly think about that Sunday do you think this team could be somewhat competitive and I throw this at you here you know the one thing that the Eagles have struggled on. Their defense is, by the way, the defense is no better than, in my opinion, than the Cardinal defense. They've got a couple, they got three players and the two rookies or two young players, the DTs, have kind of hit their rep wall. Reddick is the best player on the field, but they're last in almost every single category when it comes to defense. And on top of that, 
here's the one thing the Cardinals do do well. Okay, they're third, 4.9 yards of carry. They do put up 130 yards rushing. They're horrible stopping the run. I get all that. And you've got Kyler Murray that I think is going to be a tough cover, especially if he gets out in the perimeter yep. and the Eagles can't set the edge. Can they be somewhat competitive and make it a fourth quarter game Sunday? That, that, that's the question. I thought you were going to say, can they be competitive going down the road? But yeah, Sunday, they they just have to get some offense going. And even though, like you said, that Eagles defense has some issues, uh, the offense just has a real hard time getting getting any uh, consistency. Like you said, they do run it well uh, with James Conner. You do have the threat of Kyler Murray. That receiver core, it, like I said, is a problem. You know, Hollywood Brown uh, did not play last week after the previous two games. He tried to play and had to leave because his heel was bothering him so much. And without him, at least having his speed threat, they just don't, again, they just don't have that consistency to convert those plays I was mentioning or on third consistently on third down. So I don't know if, 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 if the, the defense is okay, I don't know how they'll stop the Eagles offense consistently unless they can get a bunch of takeaways, which they've only had one, I think one takeaway in the last three games. So it might be competitive somewhat in the fourth quarter, you know, they've gotten it that far in some games, but then it seems they wear down your game against the 49ers, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they were fighting and they get, they get a score and they get within one score. You know, they got, they got within one score, you know, this, this last week to the bears and then the defense just couldn't stop the teams in the fourth quarter. And so I want, I think sometimes they get worn down uh, by, you know, by other teams that are just doing whatever they're doing against them. And they just don't have the horses uh, to stop teams consistently, and they don't generate much of a pass rush. I mean, when you look at this team, I mean, Justin Fields made made a point after the game. He said, someone asked him about his production and his running. He had 97 yards rushing, and he had a 32-yard run called back by a holding penalty. And he said, well, I told my offensive linemen, you don't have to hold because their guys, their, rush, their rushers aren't very fast. And so even if they get some heat on me, I can get away from them. And that's what he did. You know, that's what he did. And so they've got a bunch of edge rushers that rotate also and not one real standout. And that's, you know, that's the type of players that, that you need to be competitive in a game like this against the Eagles and to be competitive for 17 games in an NFL season. Howard, why didn't Hassan Reddick make it in, in Arizona? Was it poor coaching? Because let me say this to you, watching him play, I'm going to give you a stat here. In the last, like, 62 games, he's got 52 sacks. Right. I mean, how do you pass on an edge rusher that he's making $15 million? If he was on the open market today, he'd make $25 million. I mean, he – now, look, he can't cover a tight end to save his life, and he's not the greatest tackler on the planet. But I'll tell you what, the one thing he does well, he gets home. He, he gets home. What happened there? Well, the problem was he, he, he's, a, like he, he's a pure pass rusher, and the Cardinals didn't know what to do with him after they drafted him. So, well, what do you mean you don't know what to do with him? Let him rush the passer. Well, at one point, they had him at inside linebacker. And, so, and, the, and, and plus, they had coaching changes, so they had like two or three different defensive coordinators. They had him out of position, didn't they? And they had him out of position, and then changing offensive defensive coordinators. And finally, in the last year of his contract, 
they, and I think it might, it might, it might have developed after Chandler Jones got hurt, and all of a sudden he blew up, had a five sack game, I think it was, and had a bunch of sacks, and to a degree, I think he wanted to stay, but the Cardinals didn't offer him much of a contract. And actually, when he left, where did he go to Carolina? As I recall, Carolina. it was like a one-year, eight million dollar deal. So it wasn't like the league was in love with him either. Even after that, they figured, well, that's just one year. That's a, you know, that. How do we know he's going to be consistent? So no one was going to give him the big bucks. Well, Eagles gave him a, a pretty good, you know, not fifteen not, million not, per. Yeah, not the huge, huge numbers of proven guys, but still pretty darn good contract, and he's earned every penny of it. So. That, that's essentially what happened with him here in Arizona at the beginning at the beginning of his career. Okay, finally have to do some Hall of Fame here. Did anybody on the semifinalist list, did it anybody's uh, pop out where you were kind of shocked, maybe somebody you think is a slam dunk, and maybe your, your take on Eric Allen making that list as well? I mean, are you surprised with anybody that's on that list? No, I wasn't surprised at anybody who's on the list. And by the way, the uh, the 15 finalists from that list will be announced uh, this evening on NFL Network starting at 8 o'clock Eastern. So we'll know the final 15. I'm very eager to find out. I mean, you, pretty, you always pretty much expect that the guys who were finalists last year will be back. That's nine guys. So you've got spots for six others. There's two first-time eligibles, Antonio Gates and Julius Peppers. And so I would suspect they'll be in the finals. And then if they are, who will be the other four guys? It'll be it'll be guys who have maybe been around a while. And Eric oh, Allen, so it's not out yet then? No, it's not out. It's an Oh, okay. Okay. I'm not sure then Eric's on it. Okay. No, no. He was a semifinalist, though, like you said. Semi. Here's okay. The, here's the crazy thing about him. And there always seems – there's always certain guys that, for whatever reason, get overlooked for a long time and then all of a sudden pop up near the end of their modern-day eligibility. It happened with Leroy Butler, who went in a few years ago. It happened with Sam Mills. Well – Last year with um, Albert Lewis, he was never a finalist until his last year of modern-day eligibility, and he doesn't get in. Now he goes to the abyss, we call it, (laughs) of the senior pool. Well, Eric Allen, this is his 18th year of eligibility, and he's only been a semifinalist four times, never a finalist. How about um, Darren Woodson, 16 years eligible. There's a bunch of guys on that list who have been eligible a long time. So I'm going to be curious of those other four. Are they guys who've been around a long time? Is it, is it someone else? And again, that four is presuming that the first time eligible guys will be in that final 15. And then next month we'll have our meeting and hash it all out for eight hours or whatever it is. And it'll be very interesting. And I'll tell you the guy who has been, there's two guys who have been finalists four times. That's the most of any of the 25 semifinalists. That's Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne have both been finalists four times. Tory Holt has been eligible. This is his 10th year of eligibility. He's already halfway through his modern day eligibility. So is this the time that he finally joins his other Rams teammates uh, from those great from those great teams? Who knows? Like I said, it'll all be hashed out next month in January and then announced at NFL Honors on February 8th. It is always great talking to you, and I love our history lesson all the time as we get closer to the Super Bowl. That means we get closer to people being enshrined into Pro Football Hall of Fame. Should be an interesting one on Sunday, Cardinals and Eagles. Howard, 
Happy holidays to you, my friend. It's always Thank an you. honor to have you on. Thank you. And happy holidays to all, all, all the legion of your viewers out there. Thank you so much. The great Howard Balzer, Pro Football Hall of Fame voter and MVP voter, too. So we really appreciate him coming aboard and giving us his insight. Because, again, 50 voters for that, that legendary award, naming the best player in the National Football League. So we really appreciate him doing it. We so appreciate you. Please hit the like button. Guys, have a great holiday. Make sure you have a wonderful one. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday. And have a great New Year's Eve. And a great New Year's Day. Big Joe, we thank you. Xander, we thank you. We thank all of you guys. Tone, thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. We will catch you guys next week, starting up a brand new New Year. Two to six on Tuesday, and we'll see you on the flip side. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.